you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No. I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. He could actually save people from death. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. What happened to him? He became so powerful. The only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. Ironic. He could save others from death but not himself. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. Do you expect me to talk? Welcome to episode 92 of Do Expect to Talk. I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by very lovely Chris, Dave, and Charlie from Movie Drone. How are you? Very good. Now the rest I, of you. I was, I was waiting on Charlie. Now he's all right. <laughs> I was trying to think of a, of, of a funny line uh, that I could, that I could reset from the show. Now we're still waiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'll, I'll get... Or, or guess, or, or, or the only thing I can think of is uh, no. <laughs> yeah, but we're not now playing, so we can't tee that up. Do you recommend this film? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> With the subtitle, do not want. Yeah. Well, it's that, or uh, I have a bad feeling about this. But there you go. But they say that every week, so yeah. I think you're quite. I think you're they quite entitled yeah. to. <laughs> I was going to say we've reaching the end of the Star Wars series, but we're not, obviously, because we've got many more films to come. We're reaching the end of a Star Wars series. Yeah, a Star Wars series we are reaching the end of. The Lucifer. But yes, this time we bridge that gap and review Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, starring 
No, I haven't got, I haven't got that many names. I've never heard of it. The Big Gulp. <laughs> Brought to you by Big Gulp. <laughs> Brought to you by Sharp Intake of Breath. <gasps> Ian McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Natalie Portman, Ian McDermott, Samuel Jackson, Jimmy Smith, and Christopher Lee. Scored by John Williams, written and directed by George Lucas, Ugh. and released 2005. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Yeah. I know. Doesn't seem that long ago, but yeah. I know. I, I remember <laughs> at the time of The Phantom Menace thinking, Christ, I'll be 28 when the last one comes out. And now it's like, Christ, <laughs> I was 28 when the last one of those came out. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> mm. Oh dear. Yeah, I think I was... In the second or third year of uni when this came out, I remember going to see this the little lovely two-screen cinema in Winchester. Um, and it was just a magical experience. Um, it? And it was <laughs> Well, it, it was, because it, like, literally there was, there was like a row behind us, which were all Star Wars fans and they all came in cosplay. Um, and then literally just it went really quiet, you know, after the, the 20th Century Fox credits um, and the Lucasfilm kind of, you know, the musical title card. Um and then obviously there's a there's a quiet moment between that and when you see the yellow Star Wars logo, and they just went deathly quiet, and there was a real crackle, you know, sense of anticipation in the air. <clears> and yeah, then every, and at the very end of the film, everyone cheered. Went, yeah. yeah, you watch it with some weird people. I um, <laughs> I, I, I went. I We're all students. We're probably drunk. Bothered, it's fine. I haven't bothered to do many midnight screenings in my life, and I think this is the reason why. Not because I had a terrible time. It was fine. But you know when you go to like a party and you're the one driving, everyone else looks like a twat. Well, it was a bit like that. I went down to the cinema for a midnight screening, opening night of this, um, and it's not far from sort of clubs and bars and stuff in my town. So I drive, get there, go in, sit down. I'm by myself, which is quite usual. Um, And the screen at the time was the biggest screen in the place. But they've upgraded the sound since. Um, but at the time, it wasn't that impressive. It was never as impressive as you thought it was going to be. So we had the time. Everyone was hammered. You could smell alcohol in the room. And um, the title card comes up. That moment of silence you say about. Then the, the big blast with the, the f- a fanfare and the Star Wars logo. And all I heard was, turn it up! Oh, <laughs> oh, in that voice. Drunk. Yeah, exactly. Really, really, really drunk. Um yeah, um, I, I don't think everyone was whooping and cheering, but like I say, I, I don't go to the cinema with like you know, <laughs> it's on. I don't go on a mini bus or anything. You know what I mean? Do you guys have any other stories about this film? I saw it in London. Oh, how exciting! Yeah, um, that's about that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a, it, right. it, it came out uh, just to finish like a, like a, like a not. A, it was kind of like a work experience week at this morning. I did. That was like the only. Right. That's my only ever <laughs> claim to fame. Uh, but yeah, that's no, I, I, that's I, really I, interesting. It, it came. It came out that like that weekend when I finished and I sort of. Yeah, I I I watched it. Watched it in a in a random cinema in London. And it was like really. I remember it being an oddly shaped screen because it kind of like it kind of got narrower as you went up, and I kind of like sat on like this very small row right, right at the back so um but yeah no it's uh, i remember i remember enjoying it my opinion it hasn't really changed much i remember enjoying it but kind of like but kind of really semi frustrated by some of the the bad and ham-fisted parts of equal measure um 
but gem, but generally speaking, yeah, it, it, it wasn't bad. It was quite a difficult time for me because my uh, my my mother passed away at the beginning of the year. Also, oh, I did. Um, so yes, I'd kind of been going through all that. Um, I did the midnight showing. It was kind of yeah, it, it was a bit kind of subdued, really. I mean, I did Attack of Clones at midnight, and it was packed, and there were tons of people in like Jedi robes and with lightsabers and stuff. And I don't know, there was probably maybe 40, 50 people here in a, in a big screen um, this time. And I remember getting out of it, and it was like what three in the morning, I guess. Um, and just kind of standing outside the cinema, which was like on like a like a retail estate cup thing. Um, it was like a big view, and um, everything just kind of felt really kind of desolate. And I was just waiting for my taxi, and it was cold, and I just felt really kind of just just down about the whole thing. And kind of, I mean, we're kind of obviously going to kind of reasons later when we talk about our actual opinions of the film in terms of how that kind of worked in. But my, 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 so my first viewing was not um, a good one, which was uh, annoying. And then I saw it the next day again. I took my dad um, and we kind of enjoyed it a lot more then. And I kind of, like, I've come to, kind of, I guess, like the other ones really. Um, <clears throat> come to uh, make my peace with it but I guess for me this is always the one that kind of came closest to um, being something and then wasn't and um, yeah so that was all a bit um, <clears throat> especially since this was suppo- at the time this was supposedly the last Star Wars film as well so it was like ending the series with that it's like really um and kind of ending the star trek series with into darkness um yeah not quite as bad as that but um so yeah but um so my 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 experience was not not a great one yeah it's it's funny when you see watch like midnight showings and things like that because i think very often i mean i found that you you kind of have a, a lower opinion of the film than you you generally end up with when you watch it again um like I, i've had, say damn tired probably <laughs> yeah i, 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 I don't know some of it i don't know i don't know what it is and may, maybe down to that level of expectation if it's like usually like all in the, the big films you think oh this is going to be good i mean i had the same thing with Winter soldier i kind of like what kind of walked out being a bit it's all right you know i don't think it was that good um and then it, you, you kind of slowly come around to it you know you had to like you know, we, 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 you had to analyse, think, like, what was actually wrong with it? Uh, you know, although some of it was alcohol, Chris, uh, in the room, not me, because I thought I was driving, but like I say, some of it was alcohol in the room, but there's no doubt that there's no other screening I've been to that's, like, crackled with energy and anticipation like that. So I get, I guess you would go one or the other. You'd either get sort of swept up on it, or you would just sit there about 2.30 in the morning coming to the end of the film thinking... What the fuck am I doing here with a bunch of drunk watching quite an average film? Just before we go to thought, I just like to say there was an odd um, heightness to this. Like, I think that there was a level of some people convinced themselves that it was great and George Lucas made it all work and he's a genius and all that. Because there was like, 
a certain opinion and certain a, a certain sort of feeling about that. Um, not not everyone wasn't like the the popular mainstream mainstream opinion, but I don't know. I, I remember going going to like the the Primworks in Manchester. Like I forgot what film I was going to see, but like a guy just like just literally just like walking out just went like, oh, you going to see Star Wars? I was like, oh, like, oh, like uh, no. He's like, oh, yeah, George Lucas, he's a genius, isn't he? You know, he's like, okay. He's a visionary, I'm not sure he's a genius. But yeah, yeah. No. yeah, visionary for sure. But I, I think I think there was like an odd sort of, I think there was a certain sort of thing in the air that people just like convinced themselves that this, this made up for the last two <laughs> in a way and kind of made it all work. I don't know if you guys felt that, but I thought. Like, I think my next line would be "hold my beer," <laughs> <laughs> so it will get to me. Well, that's the thing about the print works. There's a lot of pubs around there. Yeah, um, that's true. I, I, th- <laughs> I think he was. He could have been inebriated. He, he, he was a very loud individual, I guess. <laughs> I think the the kind of in in most ways the kind of the quality um, is definitely kind of pushed up um for this one for me um but it's just like ridiculous peaks and troughs um for every kind of moment where you're going to get into the film and you're really enjoying it and you're thinking yeah this is actually starting to get pretty good it's just sabotaged um by several moments and there are some really really absolutely brilliant moments in the film um yeah in general it's, it's not bad um I think the acting um, and some of the dialogue is improved. Obviously, the Tom Stopper um, doing rewrites was a was a bit of a blessing. Ewan carries it again, um, but Ian McDiarmid as well. Um, apart from a, uh, a couple of scenes, is is pretty amazing in most of it. And again, I think the way he isn't great is just down to the the writing and George's insistence on him doing things that. He's not really suitable um, for, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I have quite a lot of love for the film, um, and it's certainly more of an attachment. Maybe because it just feels like actually stuff's happening. We're actually getting to the point where what we were, the, what these this whole trilogy was supposed to be about in the first place, and uh, while it's kind of <clears throat> still yeah sabotaged quite a bit. Um, it still delivers on certain things for me that uh, where it's able to give us actual real emotional drama. It's it's kind of it's really kind of the parts. It's like the best and worst of George Lucas as a filmmaker because um, there are some kind of moments that are kind of like really pure Lucas, certainly in terms of like the editing. And there's the kind of silent film quality that he's always kind of said that he wanted Star Wars to have. And then there's other scenes where he's like, Jesus fucking Christ, George. Um, <laughs> but um, obviously we'll get to those. But yeah, it's all right. It's, I suppose it's it's certainly the one very mixed. I think it's its highs are the best of this prequel trilogy. But it, it, it as, as Charlie says, it's hampered by its lows. Like, um, it, 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 I think I think it probably has, the, I think it has the best and worst of all of them. I mean, I think last week was kind of, I suppose some some people would say Jar Jar is probably the worst, but Jar Jar never bothered me that much. But um, 
I think last week was pretty. The worst part of it was just it. It didn't feel it didn't feel alive. This at least feels like it's always moving. There's always something going on. I think Hayden Christian is better in this, though at times no. But there there are moments, uh, particularly to, to in the beginning. There's we talked about how there's no real relationship between him and Obi Wan when when the opening this one you actually see them how you actually see how it should be. They are kind of like a team. And they are like working together, and and lo and behold, Anakin actually cracks a few smiles and looks like he's actually enjoying himself. Uh, and it, I think that kind of worked rather well. Um, it's very, it's got a lot of action, a lot of lot of fast pace. I think has a lot of necessary. I think a lot of it is is unnecessary, and a, and a, and the worst parts of it is just the ham fistness of how it's delivered. Uh, so we get to the things like the no and just how like the deal with the emperor. Though I I think uh, Ema Dermond is probably one of the highlights of the film, um, particularly what he's given. But uh, there there is a scene where he's seducing uh, Anakin at the sort of weird opera type thing, um, but um, that as a standalone is actually a really good example of how. Uh, a master manipulator it goes to work on someone and it's just how it's handled and how he, and you know we, we give George stick for how it's for his writing but it's actually pretty well written um, so yeah th- there are elements like that uh, and, and and as I said last week Hugh McGregor carries the film as well uh, he does the best he can do but yeah we'll get into the the the, prop, the the bad stuff as well as the good stuff as we talk about it for the film but yeah generally it's kind of like a a film of two halves for me but uh it's certainly not a dull watch i haven't really got a lot more to add to that really pretty much summed up pretty much i mean i think for me this is probably the strongest of this new trilogy again yeah i wasn't not really a fan of jar jar and all his racism um and offensiveness you're not a fan of racism (laughs) Wow. There's some hard ending no. viewpoint there. <laughs> Unpopular opinion and racism is bad, okay? Well you don't care. You don't care if people think you're controversial, you're just gonna say it. Controversial. Um <laughs> controversial. Controversial. <laughs> I've got my train of thought now. Um no, yeah, this um this one was very much kind of like with the rough of the smooth. I think yeah, the action scene's quite good. Um it does rumble on at quite a fair pace. Um I was trying to make my notes and I, I was quite absorbed. In most of it, so I didn't really make that many that much in the way of notes. I've got like a page and a half of my little A6 book. Um, again, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, you know, Lego does carry the film definitely. Um, it's good to kind of see Yoda, like C- uh, CGI Yoda, as I'll call him. Um, this is not really stupid, but to me, he looks like an oil painting. You can see so much detail, um, and there's, there's a lot more art surrounding like how he's been animated, mm. which is quite interesting. Um, I just think it, 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 he looks he looks quite pretty. <laughs> Is you can see all the different shades of green and that's you know um, emotions in his face and everything, and the animation has come on a long way. Um, although having said that, there are some CGI heavy scenes which really take me out of the film, um, especially like the fight with Christopher Lee. You can you can tell when it's a stunt actor with his face with Christopher Lee's face CGI'd on. Christopher and, Lee's and, just lazy. Let's be honest. <laughs> but it's, it's it's so great, you know, because obviously he was filming this and Lord of the Rings at the same time, kind of back to back. So I think he, he recorded the scenes in like two days or something. So they had to kind of really squeeze him in. 
um but it's you know it's it's good to see him um but yeah there are some script wise there are some howlers um but not as bad as last week yeah kind of yeah they're rough with this movie really so probably four out of five um i think i'm i remember i saw this obviously at the cinema when it came out um i can't remember if it was a film, uh, midnight release or not i think it was maybe towards like the tail end of one um like 10 o'clock or something um and then also obviously when it was it, the home release came out i've not seen it since um so this is a fresh viewing um i was surprised by how much i enjoyed it i mean yeah, it's not the perfect film um it does bridge the gap between this and obviously what would become episode four um yeah so that's it anyway dave go ahead I, I kind of I, I I do have a feeling that when we get into it we'll we'll disagree on bits, but as an opening gambit, I don't think I've ever agreed more with all three of you because you're all basically saying what a polarized film this is within it within its running time that it's the best and worst. Charlie said that certainly both of you echoed it, and and I would agree there are there are sequences in this film where for the first time in the the trilogy this trilogy, I sat and thought, yeah, George Lucas is actually really talented. But there were also bits in this film that I just think, how would that pass any kind of quality control? That's awful. I really don't like the first and the final acts, but I like both things about both of them. So it isn't all bad. And in fact, I had a really good viewing this time, generally. I think I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I've enjoyed it for quite a long time. But I think as I go through it, I'm going to pick it to death. But it won't reflect my overall level of enjoyment. I think it's a mostly bad film, actually. But it's it's the bad. It's a bad film, but it's a film I really, really wanted in 2005. Um, in the yeah, the previous two hadn't been great. We were desperate for kind of a redemption to the series at this point, and so having completely kidded myself over the phantom menace and then gone and seen attack of the clones for exactly what it is i was back in slightly rose-tinted spectacle um it, you know it, it landed at this point that uh, not quite as bad as the phantom menace because i could tell you tons of faults with it straight away but i think it was just because it was closure like charlie says plenty is happening it's paced it's pacing in terms of keeping you interested is quite good, but it's pacing in terms of whipping through a story is utterly ridiculous in places. But at least it's got plenty here. And there are a couple of shots in this film that I'll point to that I just think that's as good as anything in cinema. So it is the best of the three. I was expecting to be a lot more critical in my opening remarks than that. I, I did genuinely enjoy it this time. But back in 2005, there was a widespread view that it was the one of a disappointing prequel trilogy that actually sort of pierced through into the sort of quality of the original trilogy. And I can't agree with that now. I don't think it matches no. anything in the original trilogy. The CG is dated horribly, not as badly as episode two, A, because it's a bit newer. Becca's right to pick up Yoda. Yoda's a quantum leap forward this week. Mm, uh, really in, certain, in certain scenes, particularly the one where he's talking with uh, Anakin, the lighting on that's beautiful. But he's painted himself into a corner, which was very much Charlie's theme last week. Um, but I see, I see it almost as much this week that mm. the, the Jedi have now been established in such a way that they have to be fucking complete idiots, and they're no comfort to a damaged young man. 
I think I'll hold on that till we get into the detail. But broadly speaking, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing, that it's possibly a bit more enjoyable than its significant backlash would have you believe. But it has all the same flaws hard-baked into it as the first two instalments in the in the prequel trilogy. But I will say, although The Phantom Menace might look the most Star Wars of these three, I do have to say this is the best of the three. But should we get into the, should we get into the detail? Yes. Discuss it sequentially. Okie dokie. Can I just say, my first, I, I will do what we normally do and get Charlie to half remember the crawl. But um, I have to say, my first big laugh of the film was when Whoa. exclamation Whoa. mark <laughs> I actually laughed well, out loud at that. Well, yeah, I was just about to say, wouldn't it be funny if it actually said war? And then, what is it good for? What is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. The end. Goodbye. Go home. Charlie, what's in the crawl? Remind us if you can it's remember. Like a, um, it's, 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 it's like it was written by Donald Trump. War! It's it tremendous. <laughs> tremendous. <war. laughs> the last word of the crawl. Sad. Sad. Um, yeah, I, I actually, Fake news. I've actually gone one better this time and I've got it in front of me. Um, instead of having to remember it. Okay. So it's here. War! Um, the Republic... <laughs> I might have that as my phone, so I'm not even going to text through. The Republic is crumbling under attacks by the ruthless Sith Lord Count Dooku. There are heroes on both sides. Huh? Evil, evil is everywhere. In a stunning move, the fiendish droid leader General Grievous has swept into the Republic capital and kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, leader of the Galactic Senate. As the Separatist droid army attempts to flee the besieged capital with their valuable hostage, two Jedi Knights lead a desperate mission to rescue the captive Chancellor. Okay, I only had one problem with this crawl. Well, two, actually. War, I thought, was hilarious as a big exclamation at the start. Mm. But it says something like the evil can't do to you, or something like that, because I've forgotten what you said already. But right after that, it says there are heroes on both sides. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that doesn't work, George. (laughs) (laughs) It really doesn't. You've just said one side's evil. Make your fucking mind up. Yeah, but it never actually sort of... You never really get the fellow kid who who was good on the other side. I know. (laughs) I know. So I wasn't wildly impressed with the crawl, but it sets the scenes again. Two Jedis have been dispatched to argue about tax. Um, <laughs> now, initially, I quite liked... I think this is one of the scenes in the film that I like more the first time than I've ever liked since. Mm. In the, it, was in, it was set deliberately in like high atmosphere, a bit of a space battle, and a, giving it a bit of scale, seeing the two Jedi work together seeing them exchange a little bit of banter. But actually, it's very difficult to work out what's going on in this scene. Who's fighting who? It's just a mess. It, it is the worst of George Lucas in that it looks beautiful. Most George Lucas stuff does. But it's a little bit too much, and it's not narratively that clear what's going on to start with. Yeah, but it basically just ends on a big space battle, really. And you got, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan, and also you got, like, the clones and, and, and the other... Um, and it's basically that for like the f- for the first thirty minutes, you you basically got like a, this massive long action set piece, which to me kind of like it kind of felt like o- almost on the levels of how you would end a film, you know. It almost it almost feels like the ending to episode two rather than the begin the beginning to um, episode three. So I, it kind of 
at times I feel like, oh, didn't he kind of like wait, squander this opportunity to end to end it? But I kind of like how it just like throws you straight in there. So uh, yeah, I mean, I said before at the beginning, I really enjoyed. Well, I really, I really actually really liked how Obi Wan and I can interact this time around. I re- I really like that initial kind of shot. I think it runs about a minute. Of, well, where of it just the follows ship. the follows them, yeah. Yeah, or they have me thinking of 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 a hungover Dave watching that. <laughs> oh no, I wasn't hungover on this one. I was hungover. Oh, on okay. I was all right on this. Oh, one. Of course, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's quite nice just the way it completely tracks through, and then the the kind of banter, and but it, but again, you kind of see a couple of moments where. George Lucas's writings with buzz droids and things like that, and I, th- I just wonder if he's ever heard the phrase "less is more." Yeah, and if he and if you said it to him, will he have a heard it and b understand it? Because I do find this a little bit overstuffed. But again, it's an early sign the CG's moved on a little bit. It actually kind of looks nice, and it looked very nice on the big screen. I have mm. to say. I like the idea that it, puts, it starts to present that Anakin's a little bit reckless still. Um, and when, when he's trying to clear off the, all the, the droids off his ship with his wing off Obi-Wan's ship, and they're having little kind of arguments over the uh, over the comlink about it, um, is, all, is all quite entertaining. And that kind of works into when they actually get on the ship. And again, on one, on one thread, you've got them to doing all this kind of stuff and this banter and, and kind of like, it's all a bit quite a like buddy cop kind of thing and it feels funny and then you've got R2-D2 and those annoying droids hey you get over here Roger, Roger. and it's just like fuck off <laughs> I, I just think George isn't funny full stop no. and, uh, but yeah. he's, got, he's got this I, I, I've never been able to think of a better word for it or, or let's put it this way a more descriptive word for it than goofy it, you know it is the step in shit it is the and then they all lose their lightsabers and now it is and now you know he, he can be heard and it, it's never very funny and I just think well I know it was written by other people but he was intimately involved with the Empire Strikes Back where the dialogue was snappy and funny mm. sharp and he's never recaptured that this is about as good as he does I think you're right I think the 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 banter here is actually not bad. It's worse once they get on the ship. I think the CG's worse when they get on the ship. Those those sort of battle droid things I don't think look particularly good. Yeah. Um, they haven't dated well. They probably looked okay at the time. And I do, as a general rule, although we've got to talk through the whole scene, I, I did note, I did a time check that from them getting from them. Them rescuing the Chancellor takes 24 minutes, and from them getting to the end of this and the start of the next act where he starts talking to Padme is 26. And again, it, it, we've, we've used the Bond analogy before. In fact, funnily enough, because we're the Bond people, Charlie used it, saying about a previous film where it should have been like a, a Bond pre-title. I felt like this should have been really, and yet it's a whole act of the film. Yeah, I, I read somewhere at the time that, the, that this whole... This whole um, set piece, like on, on the ship and everything, you know, it, it it was about it ran almost about an hour long in itself, like in, in the original unedited, because there, there was a ton of there was a ton of stuff that I mean there, there was like a scene when previously introduced previously and killed like a a Jedi in front of them, 
and they were coming through like um, some sort of like river of petrol or something like that. Um, I you know I did, there was other stuff in it that it just felt like really long. You know it it, it almost I mean I I did feel it was overstuffed, but I almost kind of wished this was like it, a movie of itself. I, w- I wish they kind of like. Well, almost like almost like a almost. Do you mean almost like a heist film? But the boot, the um, the bounty is the chancellor. Yeah, yeah. Almost. I I I felt that would have been like a really fun idea for a film, and just like like maybe this should have been episode two, and this maybe I just have like. Have like. Do you know? I I've been trying to think what my big problems with this sequence are because I don't really like it, and I think it's partly color palette. I. I like green in life as a colour, but it, in cinema it tends to bother me. I didn't like it in Nemesis and stuff. And this has that, all of like um, Grievous's sort of goons, guards, whatever you want to call them. There's a very green colour palette to it, and I don't like it. I've never liked Grievous very much, just in the, I, I appreciate that in wider canon he might have been a bit more interesting, but in this film I didn't find him such. Given given this film is so, or given that this prequel series has telegraphed everything, even if you hadn't seen the original films, you would know um, Palpatine's Grievous. You just would. I can't believe anything other than the younger youngest of children wouldn't know that. So a twenty five minute mission to reach him and save him and get him back and everything else is just like who gives a shit? He's evil. It kind of <clears throat> for me. It kind of yeah. It- Roots itself into kind of some not to be a broken record, but some of the points have gone previously. Um, like where you said about, yeah, the, the fact that the fact that he painted himself into a corner with episode one and has had to kind of rush everything through since. But even though he needed to do that, everything kind of slowed down in episode two, um, and, and took too long time. Um, so he's kind of rushing through this. Um, but again, spending too much time on it, and also um, I think <clears throat> going back to his idea of this being an ILM showreel and developing further, like they did, like Grievous as a digital character. Um, I mean, I think I think he works well as a digital character. I don't think he's a pretty interesting character, but he comes across as a character. Um, so the kind of the, the kind of the way that's kind of, I guess, come forward from um, Jar Jar and all the stuff mm-hmm. in the last one with all the claims and stuff. Um, and again, kind of using that as a technical thing. But, and this is something that was clear as day from the first time I saw it, is that he's not needed. All they, all they needed to do, really, was, uh, was, was keep Count Dooku there. It would have given a better part for Christopher Lee he would be more convincing and in, in just in general. And after what happened in the last film, it would have been more satisfying for them to have, to be chasing him down and um, ending the war by by getting him and Obi Wan particularly having his getting his uh, the upper hand over him. But here he's just wasted and just killed off straight away. Um, after, like Becca said, a million backflips 
again, that's a problem in this film is every Jedi needs to do backflips and stupid so many moves. Backflips. Oh my god! And um, and while yeah, it's all right if someone like Anakin or whatever is doing it because the like fit young man in his twenties, but when you've gone, when you've got old Palpatine, no matter if he is a Sith Lord, going. <laughs> Like fucking Jackie Chan. Then, um... Let them have different styles. Now, yeah. I, I have read things in sort of wider reading around these things, not now, but over the years, where it will say they've got different styles. And I'm sure yeah. people who've got a bit, you know, a bit like Charlie, you probably got a better eye for like scores than, say, most people do. I'm sure there are like people who have a better, a better ear in your case, but a better eye for the, like these different nuances and they'll say oh no if you look you know mace windu's fighting completely differently from da 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 and whilst i'm sure that's absolutely true it's still remarkably similar to the casual eye and most people by definition when they go to see something only have a casual eye for something they are naturally just going to look at it and go yeah loads of flips in it and you think well what about the eldest statesman of the craft you know, you think of any combat sport, you go and watch boxing or something like that, pick most boxers who were in any way successful, who had long careers, and their styles changed as they got older. The one example is that when you look at Palpatine, uh, not Palpatine, Dooku, at the top of a staircase, and he then does the flip down, I would have found that much more foreboding if he'd slowly walked down. Mm. But feel yeah. free to disagree, Chris. No, just in terms of like the the fighting style, you know, I, I think I mean I, I mean I I will get you into I'll agree with you in terms of I haven't really picked up much on like difference between say Anakin versus Mace Windu. Um, Yoda, you kind of say, well, yeah, Yoda just has to jump around all the time. But particularly in this film, when you see Palpatine use a lightsaber, there's a definite distinct way how he uses it there is like definite sort of like good sort of like he's very sort of uh, unorthodox and he's kind of almost like sort of like slides in sneak sneakily and he kind of like he, it, there's a it's a really unusual creepy kind of like oh fuck how do I fight this this is this is normal um almost like snake like maneuvering he does um so I just 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 in terms about how... No, no, that's fine, and, and I'm not the biggest aficionado of all of it. I just wish there was a bit more difference between them all. What do you think, Becca? Too many backflips. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think, I mean, I, I agree with Chris's point, and I've noticed that before, um, but um, I think that just lends more credence to the, the kind of theory that when he... It's like when when you saw when I saw the, the trailer and there was the scene where they all come to arrest him and that, and you see him get out his lightsaber, and then the next shot is from from behind him as he moves forward to them in a kind of shadowy way, and it's really kind of creepy. But then you watch the actual film, and he does this ridiculous spinning thing over his desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which and looks terrible. Yeah, it looks very bizarre. And he pulls some funny, he pulls some odd faces, which I kind of like because he's channeling something. They're quite good, yeah. It's like he's sort of channeling rage or something. He's like, and you can see like the force and kind of urgency on his face. Like, you know, he's really struggling to to fight him. But yeah, I do, I do kind of think it's over choreographed. I have mixed feelings. I mean, I I do like how it's concept, and 
uh, yeah, at times, yes, he is struggling a little bit, and I do like that. But also, he doesn't. My, um, Ian McDermott, bless him, um, he doesn't look comfortable doing it though. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> but um, he gives it, you know. But it, yeah, that you can kind of tell it just looks struggling. And then half time, it's like CGI. But you know, in terms of but ideas, that's the problem. You had Ian McDermott who was like sixty or whatever, and Samuel L. Jackson who was fifty odd or whatever. And, you know, as fit as they both were relatively, they're both probably fitter than I am. But the fact is they were older actors and not fantastically, particularly in McDiarmid, uh, action actors anyway. And you just think, well, like, cut your cloth, you know? I'm not saying don't make their fighting even remotely impressive, but at least give us something that reflects that, Realism of it. They are like elder statesmen of it. Does that mm. make any sense at all? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all. And, no, I, 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 and, I and especially where Count Dooku is concerned, when he is, well, Christopher Lee at that point was, what, 80, maybe? Uh, he would have, well, I mean, if they shot them three years apart, I, I mean, I can't be asked to do the maths and look into it, but I do seem to remember he was 78 at the time of shooting the last one, which mm. means. The 81 here. Yeah. Too many backflips, as Becca says. I mean, half the time it just feels unnecessary as well. Like, if you're generally thinking about combat, what does doing all this fancy stuff gain you, really? Still, what can we do? look what we can do with computers. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just think like, we've at least matured that far that they are seen a bit more of a tool than a look what we can do now. I mean, we yeah. are... I mean, I am jumping way ahead now, but I think it's I think it's to the detriment of the uh, Obi Wan and Anakin fight at the end. Yeah, I mean, you got this really this could be like a really tense, uh, dramatic, lots of personal shit going on, emotional fight, and it's all just like acrobatics and lots of lots of uh, swimming lights. Say, Sabers and jumping around the place, and you think, where's the the personal connection here? Where's the intensity? It just feels lost in terms of like a like almost like a video game. You know, it does also doesn't help the fact that it's, it's edited to a basically unnecessary fight between Yoda and Palpatine because that doesn't need oh, to be. There. Oh, we got to get to that, but. <laughs> But yeah, yeah it's like and it's, and it's between two. And you think, oh, oh, well, we know, okay. Um, so I just, I just tend to think. I mean, just a preview of that Palpatine Yoda fight. I, I, I don't want to go into it too much now, but I do get the impression that uh, your George Lucas knows where scenes have to end, and doesn't think about that until about two minutes before they do, <laughs> and suddenly has to go, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you go. So yeah, they, we, there's a lot of slapstick in this opening sequence, isn't there? With elevators and talking yeah. to R2 and all the rest of it. I don't hate it. I don't like the colour scheme. And I think the CG is dating very, very badly. But if you were to give me this scene updated... For, I'm not saying they should do this, by the way, because I think films should live in the era they were made. But if you, give me, if you were to give me this scene improved for like the current generation, then maybe I'd feel a bit better about it. I just had a feeling at the time it wouldn't date very well, and I don't think it is. I, mu- I must admit that, that I thought it, 
he could argue it's out of tone, but the, the stuff of R2 with, in terms of uh, Obi-Wan talk, talking to him through the, like, the walkie-talkie thing, and him sticking him in it, and, it's still, and the joy's still hearing it, that was kind of funny, a little bit. They've always known how to mine him for humour, haven't they? Yeah. They've, always, mm. they've always known how to get R2 to move and react to be funny. I will say that much. Yeah, yeah, and the the fact that they can kind of get him to make a yeah, kind of oh shut up, be quiet type type look when he's a robot is uh, is is quite impressive. Although it's but CGI I'm, I, and a lot of this. Sort of... Absolutely, and you can tell it's CGI here as well. Yeah, which, you know, and again, we can use it to bash CGI, or we can accept that it just wasn't yeah, as yeah. advanced as it needed to be. Um, <laughs> I think we're all saying like the the first act is all right with its flaws, but I mean it, you know when they get to the throne room and I call it the throne room just because it looks like the end of Return of the Jedi and it's meant to, it's meant to look yeah. like that. I just think some of this is a little bit ham-fisted in that on the one hand we're supposed to think or or see that Anakin has improved and learnt and all the rest of it, and you think well that's great but he chops off his head and his hands. Um, Not in that order. Still, uh, other way round, yeah. Um, and also, I just think, yeah, I mean, we get it a little bit later in the scene where he says, this isn't the first time. Remember when you told me about your mother and the Sam people? <laughs> God, he writes shit dialogue. What do you guys think of make of this? Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. Like, I, I, that, that dialogue did stick out. You think, just a simple... It wouldn't be the first time, would it? That we is can all fill you in need. the rest. Yeah, I we, we was, kind of like, yeah. There's one bit about that that I love, where um, where he mentions the sand people, and then um, you hear what sounds like a kind of a sand person noise, but you're not sure if it is that or if it's actually like a spaceship in the background. I'd never noticed that, Charlie. I have to say. And it's got some nice sound work. I, I do wish I had your ear for that sort of thing because I, I would love to have noticed that. I I always thought was like, why didn't Count Dooku just sort of blab as soon as like he gave you like, go okay, I kill him. Look, hang on a minute. Look, I'm his apprentice. Yeah, me I mean, no, it, it might this. not work. Granted, but fuck it. Why well, not? Yeah, what lose, you got to lose? Have your head cut off. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, that's fucking loyalty as well. Um, but but one of the things that made me like like oh, Ian McDermott um, when he goes in full emperor was like do it, do it. <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's full on evil yeah the look the look Christopher Lee gives him when he says kill him Anakin <laughs> he's, he's too there. dangerous to get alive he's like you wanker <laughs> oh, well that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh come on now all the way through this film there's like good mix with bad this is not all bad is it this opening act no certainly uh, not it, it really isn't so they get out of that room having killed Dooku Obi-Wan is sort of basically knocked out Dooku did that basically Yeah. also like Dooku like put like a sort of weird sort of platform or barrier just that would have crippled someone they, yeah, you know, we're supposed put... to think that's gently pinning him in place, but you know, <laughs> he should have a shattered spine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that that always amused me. It was just like sort of, oh, wake up, wake up, everyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> I suppose the only get out with that sort of thing is 
it's a bit like their language is not English. It's just coincidentally really, 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 really like it. Yeah. And I guess that could be the same with their bodies. They look like us, but they could have much stronger skeletons, I guess. Who knows? Or maybe just George Lucas isn't paying that much attention. I mean, they do tend to like... I mean, there's a bit later on where they're just casually just drop down an elevator shaft and just sort of like sweep in. <laughs> you think the trauma on the body of the sudden deceleration. And also it's like, how the fuck did Palpatine, how did he manage to sort of get Palpatine, you know, at this point, assuming that, they, they assume he's that. He's dead weight he, at this point. Yeah, he is not a Sith Lord, so he's just like an elderly man. And they just casually just like, oh, right, well, I have to jump and just drop down an elevator shaft. Bear in mind, he's below them as well. And it's just like casually, and they all just go, whee! Like, it's perfect for all of them, even though they're on different lines. And yeah. yeah. But it's all right. It's got pace to it. Oh, uh, yeah. Like I say, I, I, I've got real problems with George Lucas. But on the other hand, this, this is all quite nicely done, to be honest. Mm. And then you get straight to that, and you get to meet Grievous, uh, who you have talked about before. Um, I really like Grievous, particularly as a concept. I just think he's wasted because I don't think he's given that much to do. I like the idea. There's nothing in the execution I like. The look's okay, but the CG's dated horribly. Um, I don't like his voice in this. I'm kind of saying I really, really don't like the character, but the fact that you've sort of immediately gone, I can see potential in this character, can't really disagree. This could have been really great. Yeah, I mean... it's. Especially, I mean, again, this coming so late in the, in the field, but the fact that he is the same as Darth Vader, like he is organic, covered in robotic parts. Um, it is meant to be sort of a prototype Vader, and he, and he says in his commentary, George, that he didn't want it to look too much like Vader, but it was meant to make you think of that. Mm. And I think that succeeded. I think... It could have been great, but the colour scheme doesn't look great. The CG doesn't look great. I don't like the voice and the character's wasted. What do you think, Becca, of Grievous? Yeah. <laughs> Not a big fan, really. Um, I think the animation of him is, by turns, amazing. It's like in a close-up detail. Um, and also terrible. Um, there's a scene where like him and um, everyone are fighting and obviously kind of everyone draws his lightsaber and then Grievous draws his four lightsabers and I think that scene is really poorly done it's just oh it just takes you out of the scene that the effects are so bad um but as a character I don't think we really see enough of them um again yeah you've got the link to Vader where he is half organic half robotic I guess um I don't know what the term of it would be, would be. there's not I really guess enough, he's a cyborg cyborg yeah I would suppose there isn't so much of like a build-up and a payoff um he's ultimately unsatisfying i would say um you kind of get the fact that he's this terrible character but we don't see enough of him um so yeah it's a bit kind of hit and miss really that's that's my opinion sorry (laughs) (laughs) it might be more interesting to kind of see more of and maybe more of of if that had been palpatine that that had done that to him yeah definitely that would have created more impact i think and then that would have kind of given more kind of precursor to um the eventuality of Vader. Yeah, definitely. If we'd seen a bit more of that kind of backstory, um, that would have made it more interesting and it would have added more, like, gravitas. I, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, 
and what urgency to that to that particular storyline. But no, that would have been more interesting for sure. Yeah, it's just changed the film that kind of needed a villain to get the plot going to get to where it needs to go to at all. Essentially, when Anakin turns, essentially, so you need an excuse for like the the Palpatine to sort of still be in power, so he doesn't have to, you know, so like the war hasn't ended, so he hasn't given up, or wouldn't feel be forced to give up his power then, and uh, also reason for Obi Wan to go to go off and fight somebody. So he is basically uh, wasted in terms of like for plot reasons. Uh, it's just a shit. I would have liked to see more. I would have liked to see a bit more fleshed out in other films. I just wish George Lucas would have thought things through a bit more, especially with Episode One and Ones and Tip One and Two, and just sort of giving us more fully rounded villains this time round. Episode One we had Maul, who's in all but three scenes. You know. Two of them are very brief. Or he's only in three scenes, yeah. Yeah. And 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 and, and in episode two you had Christopher Lee's Dooku, which shows up in the, the last third of the film. And now you have this, which is like... Which, which to be fair, you have Palpatine. He is the, the key villain. He's in throughout, and I think the film is stronger for that. But you also have... You're introduced to Grievous, as well as... Um, seeing Dooku get killed off in the in the first act, and it's just it there's just not enough for him. So yeah, I, I, I just wish these villains were kind of thought out better and structured in a way in the stories a lot better. Yeah, I mean, all of this should have been going on in the last film. The last film should have kind of finished with the end of the war, really, and even past that. But um. Yeah, and then, and <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of f- fairly fun, um, the little kind of fight they have, and kind of Obi-Wan being a bit overconfident with his guards um, when he cuts his head off and he's still fighting him around. Um, That's a bit dodgy. It's quite entertaining. <laughs> I do like how spindly uh, Grievous is. Oh, he's just mm. able to, like, yeah, I can take space. I can just sort of, like, crack the window open and just fly out and then just sort of like fold and do kind of weird creepy shit uh, uh, yeah it, I must say that there's a scene like where he kind of he goes up a ledge and then crawls along like a spider and it's very much like that scene from The Exorcist where she's kind of crawling downstairs but I don't know if it's, it's banned or whatever um, but yeah it makes some kind of like spider-like movements I found that very creepy I didn't know you could do that but yeah I think that, that was quite good but um, yeah I found that scene I was like ooh a little bit creeped out by that scene <laughs> Kind of makes him kind of an other, even more otherworldly than he already is. Yeah, it it just if that makes sense. It just adds to the the potential that could have been there if he had like fleshed out his character more and given him like more notable scenes. It you know, you know, and and, and from what Dave says, it's like better CGI. Could have had a really good character here. Could have really had a good like, Yeah. Yeah, because the the idea that he's this massive kind of Jedi killer thing, and he keeps the lightsabers as trophies and things, but when he actually fights, he's just basically keeps gets like, his ass kicked. Hoover, because because he's just what he does is just because he gets his robot arms and just spins and spins and spins. See, that looks impressive, but the thing is that he fights Obi Wan. Obi Wan says, "Okay, I'll just cut. I'll just cut two of your arms off, and then." fight over because it gets dis- disrupted and it's just a chase scene really do we want to say anything else about act one here we've got the big sort of like 
they rescue him and they do the crash landing back onto Coruscant. Anything yeah, that, else you want to say about that? That's kind of fun, really. You know, it's kind of like. Uh... Oh, I do like another happy landing. Yeah. He delivers that really well. Like, you're absolutely right, Charlie. I mean, I, I was. Or, I don't know, it might have been Becca, actually. Whichever one of you said that, like, Ewan McGregor carries this film. I think um, we all pretty much said it. Yeah, I think we all said probably. Certainly. Yeah. I first. I, oh, I think, I think he, he certainly did last week. But last week, there were a couple of scenes where I could go, oh, that's really bad. There was only a couple of them, and he was great in everything else. This week, he is absolutely, without exception, brilliant. I think he's, he's more morphing into Alec Guinness, isn't he, really? He's kind of... Because he, he kind of watched... There's a, a sort of, I remember a sort of feature going around that he kind of... All of Alec Guinness' scenes were kind of on loop, and he sort of watched those to kind of really get, you know, the the pace... Um, of a speech and things like that as well and cadence so i think he's kind of trying to morph into the obi-wan that we know is pretty good so yeah okay so they land another happy landing they've saved the emperor all that kind of shit or well, not the emperor at this stage the chancellor and they get out and anakin goes to see what's now his wife yeah Padme is just waiting behind a pillar and they sort of have a sneaky little hug and a kiss like no, no, not not at all. Could be possibly noticeable or seen by anyone. <laughs> oh no, it's so bad, wasn't it? He couldn't have been less uh, discreet if he'd fingered her. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but what really stood out for me, you know how usually when you see films and TV and people have to, and then people like introduce themselves by like sort of the names to sort of like to acknowledge. Oh, this is. Joe, or this is Mike, so they go, oh, hey, Mike, or whatever, you know, and it just, there's something just so unnatural about Anakin sort of, like, meeting up with his, his lover who's not seen for X amount of time, going, like, Padme, I've not seen you for a while, I just thought, you'd be like, you'd be like, oh, my God, I've not seen you in ages, you know, that doesn't roll off natural to me, to sort of, like, None of the dialogue does, though, does it? No. Mm. Um, so, but I understand why it's there. But at this point, you kind of like, do we need to be told the names Padme? I mean, it, it could barely be worse if everyone called each other by their full names every time. <laughs> I, I have not seen you for some time, Padme Amidala. <laughs> <laughs> but then, when it's even worse when they get to the, uh, the bit where she's on the balcony brushing her hair. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, but that scene's hilarious because there's no need for it. They they cut they cut from whatever it is to that, you know. All right, lovers blinded you and a bit of banter, yeah. and then it cuts away again immediately. That's that's dream. one scene that could have left it, on the cutting room. It cuts to his dream. Yeah, it does mm. cut to his dream. You could argue it's a little reminder they're in love before to give us a, a an idea of what he would lose, and so the dream. But it's it's ham-fisted. It's really bad because it just cuts there. I mean, they've built the set, they've done the CG, they've done the establishing shot, they've got the actors there, they've designed their clothes just to go, I love you, I love you too, and cut away. Yeah. It, it's real shit. I mean, it just is. The one place we see Jar Jar, isn't it? That opening sequence where they go to uh, where... Yeah. Where it goes off with the politicians. Yeah, yeah I see him briefly. Yeah, he doesn't get any dialogue. I know. I, I had a real, I had a real funny misunderstanding with that. When we get to Padme's funeral, if I don't mention it, ask me because I just had a really funny thought during that at the time. But um, where do we go from? So where do we go from that then? Um, 
so he has his dream and then does he go to yoda yeah he does yoda, yoda basically looks, says don't worry about it but you know i just think like we're being told that i mean it's really confused because I don't think he's trying to say... I don't think George is trying to say they're losing their Force powers. I think he's trying to say the dark side clouds things. Yeah. But you've got a young man in front of you who you sent off when he was a horny teenager to look after the the you know the attractive princess. Um, you ought to know. You ought to know something's amiss there. But never mind that. Even if you've got no idea it's Padme. He sat there clearly distressed. Now, Hayden plays the scene pretty well. I mean, he doesn't play much pretty well in this, but he plays this pretty well. In fact, he's pretty good the first couple of acts. Um, and he's basically saying, I'm in pain. I'm scared. I'm going to lose someone. And they're like, miss them not, mourn them not. Miss them, do not, mourn them, do not. That's it. And it's like, uh, I, that's what I said last week. The Jedi deserve what, what's coming to them here. That... It, it, what they've got is a religion and a way of living and you know it's meant to deal with your spiritual needs and everything and yes Anakin has, has cheated effectively by going off and marrying but the Jedi have nothing to comfort or help this guy no wonder he goes to Palpatine yeah, and it's really for him at this stage isn't it this is not the Yoda we met in episode 5 there's no wisdom here that's just like Yoda, what you've just said there is really dumb. And as a viewer, you shouldn't be thinking that. Well, just basically, oh, just, just bury up all your feelings. Just ignore them. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't just, worry yeah, about it. That's basically Rejoice. what he's saying. It's like, that's not the best advice to give. Do you know, it reminded me, the, this isn't very similar to Star Trek, but it does remind me of that bit in when we were talking about Star Trek, where in The Next Generation, when that kid lost his mum and Gene Roddenberry said, no, he wouldn't mourn, he, like, he celebrate her life and stuff like that like we suddenly would not mourn people yeah and and that's exactly the same here it's like don't be so stupid no one ever said the jedi aren't meant to have any feelings at all and then their main driving skill forget lightsabers and stuff is meant to be empathy because they're diplomats so this just disappointed me and it disappointed me at the time and everything feels like a deus ex machina that all we need at this point is, like, we need him to get not much help. So the only way George can think to do it is this. I, I was really disappointed by this. And it's such a shame because visually Yoda looks amazing here. But I think that's, that's just been one of the uh, <clears throat> threads throughout the trilogy is the Jedi have been wankers. What, how much of that was intent on George's part I don't think it was. I think it's meant to be they're all a bit blinded, but I, I would expect us as the viewer to be a bit blinded too. We shouldn't be watching them going, what a bunch of twats. You know, when when, when 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 Palpatine reveals himself, we should be like a little bit surprised too. Yeah. You know, it should, it should be up there with like uh, Bruce Willis being, spoiler alert, dead at the end of The Sixth Sense in the... Um, I know somebody who guessed that like 10 minutes into the film, The Sixth Sense. So there are people who like spotted it, but they're in a minority. Most of us went, oh shit, and then watched it again and went, oh yeah, and we can see it. But 
this film has just got, or this trilogy has got just such a lower IQ on that sort of stuff. Mm. So I was really disappointed with that. He was told just basically get on with it. And, and that's really, really disappointing. Where do we go from that? Uh, he, isn't he in the, he gets denied, he gets told he's going to be on the council, but not granting master. Oh, he goes to see Palpatine. He goes to see Palpatine. Um, again, we can see what's going on, and I've got this like internal fight in me that thinks we should be a little bit surprised by it all. But at the same time, I then think of something like Richard the Third, where we know what Richard Richard is doing. You know, it's like that idea that we know we're complicit in Palpatine playing everyone kind of appeals to me as well. Mm. So I'm not really sure, but he's clearly playing Anakin here. He's cultivated a friendship with Anakin. And I just think that would all play fine if Yoda hadn't been such a disappointment one scene before. You just think, like, his natural constituency is doing nothing for him. Mm. And this old man who he should have nothing in common with listens to him whenever he needs. You, you can see how Anakin is, is being pulled that way. Yeah. Um, but he, he asks him to be his personal representative on the Jedi Council, which he's granted, but not the rank of Master. And I was really just... I remember going to see this, and this was the first time I kind of winced, because... Hayden had been so bad in the second film. And I, I I appreciate everything we said last week about that's partly the director and everything else. Accepting all that, the end result was Hayden Christensen's performance as Anakin wasn't great last week. And he'd been okay in the first act of this film. And then he stood in front of Qui-Gon in the Jedi Council and he's going, it's outrageous! And I'm thinking... <laughs> You sound like a petulant little twat yeah, again. That's that stroppy little kid that you saw in episode two. And isn't that so in line with what, well, Charlie, but all of us, but Charlie particularly said at the start of the show that it's like, well, it's the best and worst, isn't it? You've done so much good work in the first act and a bit to like redeem this guy in our eyes. And then you've got him to stand up when he's been given like a real honour and he behaves like a petulant child. Yeah, I mean, the way to tackle it like the way to make it sound like he's not being pet is the fact that he, you know, to put it in a way that he would find it insulting for someone not to be a master, just for the sake of the like, the, like how how can like someone not be a master and be on the Jedi Council? That's 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 just insulting to the council. You know, well, he should have played it more quizzical. Should yeah, he? he should have played. So that's just insulting to the council rather. Well, I than, don't. Like, I don't this get is... this. What are you? What are you talking about? How? Yeah. Or just like yeah, or to that to that level, that would have played better, in a way. For him to be to be, it's more an insult to the name of the Jedi and the Council than it is on him. Really, it's like, well, this is unfair on me. What you you know? I mean, I I I, I guess the Sith thinks inwards, so I I I imagine. But again, it's just it's another way or, for him to turn away from everyone and and. And towards Palpatine, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's just the fact that you know he he thinks he's he's capable of so much more. You know, he's a Jedi and everything, but you know he's basically given all the powers except that of Master. So he's got he's basically kind of 
reach the top and had to stop. And that's what's bothering him. But yeah, I think that's, that's again, it's just another sort of catalyst to him to turn into the dark side, really. But I, I do, I do agree. Like the route that they go down by having McCullough literally throw his toys out the pram and just go back to the kind of petulant kid that we saw last last week. Um, although I, I do think he's kind of more. I don't. I'd say like aspects. I mean, obviously, I'm not an actor, but like his performance is more believable this time around. I think he's he's more effective in this final film, um, which is what, you know where he needs to be. But yeah, having having him turn into you know having the pockets where he's just petulant kid again, not really great. I think what doesn't help as well is is that Mace Windu, the 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 way he says it to as well. You're on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. Is a pretty shit way of putting it to him as well. Yeah, it's a bit harsh. Well, it's, it's quite clear he has it in from him. He really doesn't like, like, like him at all. Yeah, no, I know, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's like what Dave said. It's like, I mean, I, I imagine why, because it's meant to be in tone of him being, like, thinking like a Sith. But it's like what I said uh, last week. You know, this is meant to be a tragedy. You're meant to fill up his good points and let it be, like, the one thing that makes him fall, i.e. Padme. Um, mm. So you need need to be making reasons why he shouldn't shouldn't turn to, and also it just makes Jedi look fucking stupid. I mean, like, I mean, we all say so, uh, 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 the Sith thinks inwardly, and here here you got this like apprentice, uh, supposed to be be the chosen one in quotation marks, and you know he's there basically displaying all the signs of a Sith, and you're just like, and they're like, no, no, it's fine. No, no, come on to council. Ah, you're you're too you tall, won't you? Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, you know what? What's that? What's that? You you you've had a child and you and you're stirred by it. Ah, oh, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just 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 bury your feelings. It's fine. You know, all these kind of things. You think, okay, this is just fucking stupid. Like, and also, how many times have they met Palpatine? Have they not sensed anything from him? Like, I know that it's like there's a line of dialogue they say. Um, Oh, the dark side cl- uh, clouds judgment. It does, or whatever. I think Yoda says it. I don't know, but um, it just feel like. How did any of you Jedi Masters not pick up on the fact that I'm getting bad vibes from this Palpatine guy? You know, or yeah, exactly. It's just like, you know, all the years of dealing with him. You not not not. You know, you got this like really big, massive fuck off Sith Master, and you none of you picked up on him. it. It's really disappointing, you know, because if, if we were being misled at the same time, I'd be all right with it. But we're not. We're sat watching mm. it going, what, a bunch of twats? <laughs> we can That's see really, it coming. I oh, know. So it's, it's, it's all like dramatic irony, though, isn't it? So, so he's put on the council, um, and then he goes off to talk to Obi-Wan, doesn't he? And then he says, and, yeah. And it... It's a mixed scene because he's actually kind of grateful to Obi-Wan for one of the few times in the film. We don't see enough of that, but there is a little bit of... There's a bit of... Um, he's being told to basically spy on the Emperor. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, this is quite a good scene, I think. Especially since <clears throat> you can see... Um, <coughs> excuse me. Obi-Wan trying to, uh, trying to distance himself between... And saying it's the council that's asking, where you see um, Anakin is taking it personally from everyone. Yeah, he is. Um, Ewan McGregor's great in this. He's um, fantastic, isn't 
Yeah. You know, it does make you think maybe Anakin should have seen Obi-Wan rather than Yoda about his... I mean, it is nice how he's like, is this, is this, man, is this the scene where he says, so like, I've disappointed you, Master, I've been... I've been arrogant. Yeah. That's a bit, that's, that's uh, when Obi-Wan goes off um, to uh, to find Grievous, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because in the first meeting with the Emperor, where he's asked to be his representative, he talks about um, how he'd be, dis- he should be, he would... Um, be yeah, sorry, on- yeah. He, he believes that the you know the the Jedi Council would be completely wrong if they didn't uh, yeah. get the task of going to Utapan to look for um, Grievous. They're never going to do that. They've got a bunch of Jedi Masters. Of course, they're going to choose one of them. They likely choose Obi Wan just because basically he's one of the main characters in the film. Um, but yeah, they're going to choose a master. But so we can see it all being played, and I don't know how to feel about that because. Right back to Shakespeare, there are examples of where we can see these things being played, but the first trilogy wasn't like this. So I tend to think where George thinks we're not supposed to spot this, and I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that. But, I mean, the, the one thing I will say in life is very few people will ever admit to being arrogant. It, it, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a sort of... Um, it's a phrase that people don't like, put it that way. Um, so that never rang true, where he says, I've been arrogant. I just think that no one would actually admit to that. Um, but it is quite a nice scene. There hasn't been enough of us seeing their chemistry. It almost feels like almost like an apology for uh, episode two, almost. It's like, sorry, fans, he's... Sorry, we been did <laughs> He's been this and that and that. Rubbish. Yeah, I guess, maybe. But yeah, so he he basically sort of talks to him about like being on the council, and everyone sort of says, "Oh, but look, it's an honour you've achieved. No one's ever been on the council before. It's an honor. This Whereas, is an honour. You know, you've achieved so much. You know." Um, and so, where do you go from there? Uh, they uh, Obi Wan goes off to Utapan. Yeah, uh, which is where Grievous is, and I bloody ha- I hate this part of the film. In that the visuals are quite nice, but everything Obi Wan does the moment he gets there is idiotic. But anyway, we'll get to that. And um, uh, where does Anakin go? He go, doesn't he go, he, go, he has another dream or whatever about her dying. And then doesn't he go and see her? Does he, is, does he accuse her of, or of Obi-Wan being there and gets a bit jealous? Obi-Wan's been here, hasn't he? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he says that as well. He goes, dun dun dun. <laughs> it might as well, you know, the, the background music might as well do that when he says it. Wouldn't that be great? Dun 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 dun. It's, it's you know, the, um, that, that, that there's a fan theory about, like, regarding the new trilogy. And, um, oh, no, it's not the new trilogy, but there's a fan theory that would have made, like, uh, this, this trilogy better. And oh, it's right. like, in fact, what if, like, Obi Wan actually was nobbing Padme? <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll, they'll find that you yeah, had this real sort of like um, uh, emotional sort of thing going on. It would have added a bit, like, would explain so much more. Alternate, <laughs> alternate fan theory. Yeah. As long as they put that in dialogue, have you been knobbing my bed? <laughs> <laughs> Using that word. But, yeah. but, but had that been the case, that would have mean like Obi Wan's actually uh, Luke's kid. Obi Wan's Luke's kid. 
Are you sure about that? Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's wrong. <laughs> that's not what you meant, Luke was would it? have been Obi-Wan's kid. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, no, but... Not that I have an intimate knowledge of not being married women, by the way. <laughs> I would hope not. Any of them are to you. And it's, it's just well, when, in um, that case, I have. <laughs> it's just when he goes to the opera. I find this opera scene very weird. I mean, it's... Obviously, art in Star Wars is very different to art now. Um, I'm When it comes to opera, I'm quite uncultured. Um, are you? <laughs> Tosca through Quantum, that was quite good. But yeah, I've not been I just, I'm like, what what is that? What is going on? It's, it looks beautiful, it looks really stunning, but I'm like, what is going on? You just hearing whale oh, noises while looking at a yeah, yeah, it's whale noises and it it's, like, um, it's, I think it's it was a, described as Squid Lake. Yeah, it's a squid lake. I'll be putting it. It's like it's, it's all underwater and dolphin noises and whale noises. And bars people and they're doing like a zero G. Oh, is it? Water ballet. Okay. Yeah, no, was, that's the thing. The water is being like molded, and there are like yeah. um, mm. squid. It's like giant orbs, like that, giant it? bubbles. It looks oh, it's very pretty though. Yeah. Eels. Sorry. <laughs> Eels up inside you. Find an entrance where they can. Um, no, it looks beautiful. <laughs> is that my bush reference? You just. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're well done, Becca. Well done. But McDermott in its scene is dynamite. Uh, I, I think it's, this is probably the best scene in the film, I think. Mm, definitely. Uh, it just yeah. shows how creepy and insidious. Um, insidious? Is. I, I insidious. Like... <laughs> Not Darth Sidious, literally. But um, also, I think the fact that you can see both sides of it. Yes. Where you can see what he, like, I mean, I, I think it's intentional on, on Lucas's part for showing all of Palpatine's hand in in doing this, and I, th- I think I think it's a somewhat of a mistake because I do think it takes the focus away from uh, from Anakin as the focus of the trilogy. But so I think it's showing him there how he is able to to pull Anakin in, not just by kind of hinting at the uh, the way he was able to um, sort of like the, the talk of the Sith, um, but also the talk of the Sith and the, the knowledge that they have that the Jedi are not allowed to access. Yeah, just like so dropping, to, it, dropping it in rather than like yeah. Than like, so it's another thing. So it's another thing. Well, they haven't made you master, even they put you on a council, and there's all the stuff they're not telling you as well. Yeah, they they made you do something you thought was dishonest, didn't they? You know, and, and basically, Palpatine is is, te- is basically telling him kind of like the truth by and large. You know, it's from a certain point of like point of view. I mean, he is basically saying. They they want to they they want to depower me. They want power for themselves. Power corrupts, uh, and it does actually almost well, it made me think that you know, given the way the Jedi act, you know, could that be actually be true to to an extent? Because their plan their their plan is to actually take uh, Palpatine out um, if he is if they are right about their suspicions, and then take. Temporary power, but then again, will they actually give up that power? 
That's a big question. No, I think he's. I think he's just playing them. But I think it's one of the flaws of the film, Chris, that's led you to yeah. ask that question. Yeah. I, th- I genuinely think that, like, the Jedi are not supposed. I mean, George isn't isn't very good at sh- shades of grey. I don't think at any point we're supposed to think the Jedi are evil. Uh, or at least I don't think so, because the, the very fact that we're not supposed to know who Palpatine is makes me wonder just for a second. But on the basis that like he doesn't do Shades of Grey very well, I tend to think that we're not supposed to necessarily think they're evil. We're just supposed to think that... I think we're supposed to take as, as genuine that Palpatine might think that, <laughs> but I don't think we're supposed to necessarily think that, if yeah. that makes sense. But it, it makes the story kind of very convincing from an Anakin's point of view. It's like, yes, well, actually, that exactly makes that. sense. Yeah. You know? uh, and that's what I mean by it. it's a master manipulator at work. You know, just the way he does things. Like, but we've way still just... got the get-out that we can believe he's not a manipulator. We can just believe that they're like that's his perspective. Yeah. Oh, I'm just shooting shit. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying stuff. You know, don't look at you know, that kind of thing. But I'm just a maybe... Yeah, but yeah, just 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 the way how he just sort of like clarifies his his doubts and just sort of like and and, and just sort of confirm and the fact and the fact that he knows what's going on as well, it just make you know, just gives him the abandonness. He tells the story here of Darth Plagueis the Wise mm. and Darth Plagueis's apprentice killing him. Um, That's an interesting forget, story. Yeah, I just assumed uh, Palpatine's the apprentice. That killed yeah, him. I would assume the same. It, it it's it's the look he gives. Almost like he literally puts his tongue in his cheek with a smile and say, "Oh yeah." I'm a it's bad. like when he goes, "Oh, but he couldn't save himself," and it's just like as if he'd been there and he's the one who did it. And he's like, "Oh, you bastard," you know. Yeah, um, he said he lost his power. I uh, wasn't quite sure. What he meant that like he just well, killed it, him. It was actually. I tell you what, right? It wasn't that he said he lost his power. It was the fact that he said, which of course. Uh, he did, as in, like it's inevitable that mm. they lose their powers eventually. Yeah, nothing's ever painted that to us as a viewer. I'm looking at it, going, "What are you telling me? All force sensitive people eventually lose their powers because that's never been presented to us at all." That's, mm. that's like a new thing, isn't it? Even like, for example, with Yoda obviously being 900 years and, and dying. Spoiler alert: um, mm. We didn't. That's you know, they never come across with him, for example. But you did have that bit in the last scene. Which again in the last film, which was not addressed at all, where they says, "I think we should tell the Senate that our power, where um, our powers to use the Force have been are diminishing." But that should be a little bit better explained to us, Charlie. Yeah. And I'm a great believer in not explaining everything, but that's just a major taken as red plot point. That it's like, no, no, hang on, what do you mean? Oh yeah, no, I. I I just think, yeah, and I'm just calling back to the to the fact that no, that no, I'm agreeing with you, Charlie. But I'm ignored. saying that, like, it is a flaw that it was ignored. <clears throat> Wouldn't you agree? Is it what, sorry? I think it's a flaw that it was ignored. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, um, it's like he brings in this huge kind of um, kind of plot point, and then just leaves it. I mean, you could just read it as in terms of like as a general thing, as in like, well, when you have power. It's just, it's like life cycle. When you have power, you will lose it eventually. You know, in terms of like in in terms of like hierarchy power. Uh, you know, you get to a power position. Eventually, that will end at some point. It's inevitable that that will come to a point where you won't have that power anymore. Whether it be you die or you get not you you 
decide to qu- uh, quit well, or what leave you, it. What or... are you tying it to? Libido, age? Yoda's nine years. No, Yoda had all the force power right the way through to the end. So um, um, that's not been sold to us at all. No, I th- I th- to be honest with you, just looking here um, from the wiki quote page, I think looking at the dialogue, for me, it infers that he lost his power from being killed. Uh, so says, he becomes so powerful, the only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew, then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. He could save right. others from death, but not himself. Okay, that's plausible. Yeah, that's okay. Just from reading that, anyway. You could um, read it that way, yeah. Yeah, but it's a great scene. You also end with the, the, the line, you know, not from a Jedi. Not from a yeah. Jedi. From a Jedi, dot, dot, dot. Everything about that's awesome. The one thing in it's that scene is they, they did combine two scenes from Hayden. There is one shot in that film where like Hayden's face kind of morphs oddly. But apart from that, I like the scene a lot. Where do we go from there? Is, did they go to Kashyyyk? I was going to say we haven't mentioned Kashyyyk yet. Uh, I don't really get the whole point of Kashyyyk at all, to be honest with you. Is it Kashyyyk or, or is it on the way to James Bond Island in Thailand? I was going to say, there's there's something a bit man with a gold gun going on is here, it? isn't it? Just past that mushroom-shaped rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess because it's just sort of for Yoda to go first so he doesn't get captured or what have you. Um, yeah. And I guess it may, maybe because this is the last film, it's kind of a homage to what he supposedly originally wanted to do in the first Star with Wars. With or the moon. Yeah, event. yeah, with all the Wookiees. I always yeah. thought that. I always thought it was like this whole rhyming thing that we've got to do something that reminds me of that a bit. Yeah. Because there's no narrative need for it other than he's scratching an itch of something you'd always wanted to do. Yeah. I like I like it, but I, I hate the fact that it's Chewbacca. Why? Yeah, uh, Why the fuck does it need to be Chewbacca? Charlie, do you agree this shrinks the universe? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Everyone it's, fucking knows each other. It's the same half a dozen characters. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah no. I mean, I, I can make allowances usually. But... I mean, Charlie, do you know everyone in your town, let alone across the entire solar system, and that's not even the galaxy? Yeah. You know? I've never I mean, liked that. So you think, yeah, think you're back to Empire when, like, you know, Luke says, oh, I'm going to Dave's sister to meet the Master Yoda, and Chewie's like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, and then and then like you land right beside him. You know, it's very yeah. I I don't like it very much. I mean, I think the fact that it's Ewoks just feels a bit of it. Well, what's the point? You know, it just feels like fan service to me. It just feels like well, you just put e- um not Ewoks. Sorry, um, no, no, Wook- I know what you mean though. But Wookies for the sake Ewoks of it, really. Wookies, yeah. Or or how about why don't you give us like a new creature that you know something different expand the universe rather than... Because I don't think at this stage, with George being, you know, in his early 60s, not that you can't, you know, you can be creative at that age, but I I don't think George had a lot left. Yeah. I think he was, like, reshaping, you know, the the Play-Doh, you know? It was just, well, it's what I've done before, just slightly reshaped. Yeah, I mean, I like that it was Wookiees. I quite enjoyed that, and I've... Who isn't happy to see Wookiees? Exactly. Well, Chris, apparently. You've got a little bit of um, you've got a little bit of like bonds, like Becca said, and also I know it came afterwards, but like this was definitely evoked in Avatar and stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, visually, it's lovely. It's just fucking mm. pointless. 
how can a film that has to race through its running time to like give us 70% of the prequel effectively in one film uh, still have padding like this? Yeah. And and also you wonder if when Luke was on Dagobah, did they just say, oh yeah, I know your mate Chewbacca. How is he? Exactly. <laughs> Again, yeah. It shrinks the universe. And when we Oh yeah, don't go and save him. Stay here and train. Stay here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> mate yeah, it's alright. Chewbacca can die, it's fun. It's fun. Oh your friends are your friends <laughs> no, stay in there stay in here. Oh wait, what? Chewbacca one of them? Oh, okay. Oh, see, see, yeah, I, and R2. Surely Yoda yeah. would have come into contact with R2. Yeah, so we so. Mu- we must be getting close to um we must be getting close to Anakin going to see and uh, going to see uh going to find out he's a Sith. Yeah, Palpatine. that must be um, soon. Um, I mean, don't we have the the opening uh, Obi Wan landing on that uh, other planet as well? Yeah, yeah, Utapau, yeah. Um, Utapau is where he went. Yeah, we, we'd already mentioned him going there. That's mm-hmm. that's to go in hunt down Grievous. I really didn't like any of this, largely because, you know, he basically goes there as like fucking a spy. He's got to go there and like be quiet and find out what's going on. And he immediately grabs the loudest fucking creature he can <laughs> and mm-hmm. goes screaming around there. And having creeped in where miraculously they haven't heard him. And he's got the element of surprise. He leaps down behind them and then shouts, hello there. That, for me, is, is the one kind of um, dull note of Ewan's performance. Because... Well, the way he said that, Charlie. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know. But I guess because it is such a direct callback to Obi-Wan. Sure. And his oh, yeah, first... The droid, hello there. And his introduction. Mm. Do you know... That's such an obvious thing, and I'd never noticed. It's a callback to episode four, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fun yeah. Fact, yeah. you don't know yeah. that. I, what, I didn't really make the connection, Chris. Oh, wow. That sounds really obvious, but like we're, I'm always honest here, and yeah. I didn't spot it. So, no, yeah. Fair enough. And I guess because it, it doesn't sound the same as well. Um, Maybe that's it. I don't know. Then uh, it just, it yeah, it, it felt a bit too much like an intentional recall. Um, okay. Like his catchphrase, maybe. Um, yeah, and, and then the whole kind of... I like... I love the design of this place, with all the sinkholes. Mm. Oh, I love the look of it. And um, Again, it would look better now, but it still looked pretty good. Yeah, and uh, Bruce Spence is Mr. The Utapowan guy. Um and uh, yeah, but the whole thing is just like, yeah, and then he gets he gets on his thing, and he goes, and yeah, like you said, he goes to Grievous, and then he chases Grievous on because Grievous he, on his bike thing, his giant wheel, his bike thing, on his pedal bike. Yeah, yeah, pedal bike. Uh, this looked awful, and this looked awful at the time. It, it it reminded me of episode two where he's like fucking trying to romance Padme. And he's on that weird creature being shaken around. Yeah. The, the humans, in, well, I say the humans in the shot, Grievous isn't a human, but certainly Ewan is. And he really didn't look right in this. It was awful. And again, it just feels so video gamey. And yeah. 
I mean, I have seen, I've often likened Lucas to James Cameron and James Cameron overstretches himself occasionally. He did in Titanic. You look at, you've got Leo and fucking Kate Winslet running down a corridor with their faces shaking around on their heads because it's digital face replacement before it's ready. But it's always like just teasing the boundary where you go, not quite. Yeah. George, George does stuff where you go, you're nowhere near ready to do that. And that disappoints me. I have to say that, and I, everything Grievous related either had a horrible color palette or a load of piss poor CG, and it ruined the character. And to hear that he was so good apparently in some of the other stuff, mm, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's really disappointing. Well, again, this this comes back to this whole thing that I, I've talked about before about him using this as a technical exercise for his different things for ILM. Did he um, sell ILM in the end? To develop? Well, I think... Because uh, I always thought it was still part of, like, Lucasfilm and therefore Disney have it now. Well, yeah. Well, I might be wrong. I don't know. But that... No, that, but, that, but that would have been the thing, though. He would have tried to develop them and to be able to sell them for that much okay. with the Star Wars brand as well. So, I mean, because uh, I, I, I love the concepts and I like the idea. I love that that... It's called Varactyl, um, is so kind of different to what we've seen before. And <clears throat> there's just little bits that I love that I really like in this film that, again, could bring me back to something I said about the last film as well, is that seeing like covers of old science fiction novels and stuff, um, where it's very much kind of like they just went crazy and possibly had some drugs as well. Um, and um, so, and and while yeah, absolutely, I agree that the the, the technology wasn't there, um, but he was clearly, from my from my point of view, there to to just do it anyway. And part of me admires that in a kind of fearless kind of way, but another part of me resents that he was using Star Wars as a test bed for this. Well, it's the same way he is with the original films, that it's like his plaything to do what he wants with. Yeah. And I get I get the sense of ownership. I really do. The idea that I write something and put it out there, or even this, and, and the people who listen to it go, well, it's ours now. Well, no, it isn't. I made it, or we made it. But at the same time, once it's out there, it does kind of belong to the world. Yeah. And I, I think George has just never, ever got that, has he? No. And uh, I think it's almost... It's almost something kind of psychological, I think. Where it's got to the point where... There's a belligerence t- there, isn't there? Yeah, because... I mean, he, he'd he been tinkering around with the films since they came out. I mean, because you had various versions. You had the... Uh, the 70 millimeter versions and the other versions had different kind of bits and pieces in the original trilogy and different lines and stuff. Um, and then you had when they came out on video, um, there was a couple of scenes that kind of were messed about or, and he kind of just contested that with a couple of things and then eventually went on and did the special edition, but he did that three different times with the special edition and then the DVD and then the Blu-ray 
I think that's what I'm saying. If you've got a vision, then great. If if you're genuinely of the view that like the film you made wasn't the film you wanted to release and they forced you in, you didn't have the money and everything else, then as much as my view is still genuinely, if the world falls in love with it, it's not yours anymore. But I would still think, well, two things. I would think, well, fine, give us your vision. And B, give us the original as well. So I always think of like Blade Runner and that box set with five films in it. Yeah. I just think, well, give us that then if you feel that strongly about it. The problem is that he's got no vision at all. He tinkered a bit and then every few years he thinks of another opportunity to do something. Yeah. He has no overarching view for the vision of these films at all. I don't think Star Wars is even in the kind of same realm in terms of, I mean, yeah, fair enough. It was never able to be finished because at that point it wasn't the phenomenon that it became, but he still had a a decent budget for the time. He was still able to finish it um, to a satisfactory degree. And the studio didn't kind of force him to recut it or anything, like they did with Blade Runner, like the way they forced he the did, ending. Yeah, he did better than most directors would have done in his position. Yeah. Yeah, he ran yeah. massively over budget, massively late, and still got to release it and make it a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. How many people, I almost hate raising him given what's happened, but how many stories pre the last few weeks have we heard over the years of like Harvey Weinstein cutting out like 25 minutes of someone's film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. And completely butchering their vision. Yeah, for what I've heard, it's largely down to like the, the favours for, you know, <clears throat> certain. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. Which makes it, makes it even more annoying because it's not just down to like you're just have a different opinion on, on how the film should be. It's just literally just seedy Hollywood to say, you know, you know, creeping into art and just Yeah, you know. don't 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 dare have a dream, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I do have a problem with this, but even so, even at this point, I don't hate this film so far. No. It's okay. And again, it's another callback when he kills Grievous. Uh, which is a better callback. So uncivilised. So uncivilised, yeah. So uncivilised. Ah, yes, a uh, more civilised weapon. Uh, uh, what is it? A uh, more elegant yeah. weapon for a more civilised civilized age. age. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, that comes that comes across a lot more natural. And I think it's it's quite a good end to, uh, to, to that kind of plot line. Um, and then... That, I think is that where he goes off to see Palpatine, and Palpatine then just Reveals basically himself. turns around and says, "You know, I'm a Sith Lord." <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah, he brings a larger that. view. Well, yeah. he, he he doesn't tell him outright. He just basically sort of says, he encourages well, I... him to learn from the dark side, and he mentions Padme, and Anakin's told no one except Yoda, so. He's clearly been read, which uh, I don't want to get too deep into this because we can argue it all night. But there is the suggestion that it's Palpatine that's putting these um, dreams in his head anyway, and or killing Padme at the end of it. But if you just that's that's just an interpretation. If you leave that out for a minute and just see what's in your head, 
uh, sorry, see what's in front of you and go with what Palpatine is seeing in Anakin's head, rather. That's all it is. Anakin is Anakin is in pain, and Palpatine can read that pain. Yeah. And he's probably got a million spies around the place anyway. Well, yeah, there is um, that too. And with, uh, with Anakin being so obvious at the beginning, um, yeah. yeah, we're just going to hide behind this pillar. Um, so he probably could have just, just yeah, that. Um, Use my teachings, I beg you. Because there was a there was a scene that was cut out. Um, that we know there, there was quite a lot of scenes that were cut out, and I went back and watched the deleted scenes today, um, where there was a whole thread about with Padme and Bail Organa and Mon Mothma and other people about the wanted about kind of what became the seeds of of creating the rebellion. And there was a scene where um, they, they they kind of went to see Palpatine and they put the, their concerns to him about his emergency powers and about wanting to, to end up thinking kind of diplomatically. And as she leaves, Anakin, well, Anakin's there in the whole scene. So as she leaves, Palpatine kind of starts rankling Anakin, Anakin about Padme and about saying that he doesn't trust her and he thinks she could betray the Republic. And Anakin defends her. So it's kind of an interesting little piece that didn't end up in the film, but kind of gets an idea of where, because because of how Anakin is anyway, where he's just a ridiculously hot-headed person anyway. So, but as soon as someone kind of criticises Padme, it gets his back up straight away, even against someone like Palpatine. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like Palpatine fishing as well. It's almost like, you imagine him sort of like, Okay, well that doesn't work. Well maybe well maybe this will work then. It doesn't help that Palpatine in his room has got big massive war art thing of the first Sith Jedi war being fought. <laughs> um, See actually, I didn't know that, but because I don't I, just, I don't know what that looks like, so it's just it's just this big kind of sculpture in the background on the wall. And it's it's like we went to the, the Star Wars identities thing. Oh, at the O2, and they had it. They had the actual prop there. Ooh. And it's really... A, a, I think Becca's a, just creamed herself. <laughs> I really wanted to go, but I couldn't make it, and it, it looked amazing. Yeah, it was It was pretty good. They had a lot of, like, they had, like a lot of props and all the costumes and stuff, and like, there's, like, one of Jabba the Hutt's eyes and things, which was Ooh. really, really exciting, actually. Like the original puppet's eyes. To see. I love all that kind of stuff. Is it really and all, interesting? And the, the ship models as well, like the gigantic Star Destroyers and things. Um, but this, because this whole kind of scene was like all these kind of people on monster, on like riding monsters and things and fighting each other. And it's kind of, it's interesting to see the, the kind of narrative in that that's just shoved in the background and not really explained. And kind of I like that kind of stuff. I really kind of appreciate in production design. But yeah, he just turns around and says, "Have the power to save your wife." And and then yeah, and then he goes like, "Oh, I'm I'm so confused. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm I'm not even sure that might actually be a line of dialogue in this film. I'm so confused. Um, so he, he from that he basically goes to um, Mace Windu. And he says, I think he's a Sith Lord. And then 
again, it, the ups and downs of this film, but it leads to one of those amazing scenes for me where he's in the council room and Padme's in her apartment. No dialogue. I have to say that's fantastic. He's, a, he's told to stay in the council while they go the council room yeah. while they go to investigate but he can see his his apartment from there so he's he's thinking of Padme Padme is looking at thinking of him because she's worried and he's crying because no one has listened to him and in the hands of a better writer and director this was shred us we'd find this so hard to watch it, this could be amazing. And it, it kind of breaks my heart. It isn't. But this yeah. scene in and of itself is pretty good. Uh, and again, this is for me a, a proper example of how good George Lucas is when he hasn't got dialogue to worry about. The editing. Yeah, we're just talking visuals here in yeah. Jesus. He's, it's good. Yeah. And then he decides he's had enough and jumps into his little speeder <laughs> thing and... Uh, uh, um, Mace, Mace Windu walks Fox up with all his Jedi posse. Who die really quickly. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. I mean, he, I mean, either Palpatine's really, really good, or they're really shit. <laughs> it's one of the No, it's lazy. It's just, again, he goes into every scene knowing where it needs to end, and getting there, how you get there doesn't matter that much. That's the problem. It's it, it. I don't like this. I really don't. You don't like the lightsaber fight. No. What What's to like about it? It's really lazy. It It's just well, that'll do. We need to kill them off really quickly. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a bit of a fight with Windu though. Yeah, it's, it, it. Yeah, the the whole Windu fight never came across that exciting. Mm. And then, kind of, you're more just waiting for Anakin to get there, really. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that really... Well, apart from that, apart from what I said before about the movement of Palpatine, that I kind of like... I, I completely see your point, but the thing... The, the real badness for me is just how hammy the everything happens after this, where basically Palpatine's like... Mace Windu's got Palpatine, like, dead to right, pretty much about to execute him. Because he's like, right, well, you, I've, you're too dangerous to, to stand trial, you know? Anakin sort of goes, no, please don't, because he's my only chance to save Padme. He needs to stand, so basically he's trying to convince him to, like, he's got a sea trial. And... Yeah, which wouldn't we all completely understand? We do, but the whole electric thing with him, like, how he all goes... Well, yeah, his in... face is being distorted. You think we'll just fucking stop then? Yeah. I do think it is a bit cheesy, though. It's like... Why do they need to explain that in the first place? It's just like, oh, yeah, that's all it is. Help me, Anakin. I... It's a bad writer not thinking. Yeah. And it comes I do find that very horror. happy, though. Just, I, I remember laughing out loud in the cinema during that scene. Obviously, it's meant to be quite an intense scene. And he's like, oh, I don't kill me. And then all of a sudden, ultimate power, you know. Unlimited power. Yeah, that's a limited power. That was it. But... Also, you know, since when did like Force Lightning make you go that way? I mean, you think back to Jedi and Palpatine is zapping Luke with that shit, and he's just like, Magic fingers. maybe it's karmic lightning. Well, it's being flashed back at him. It's bouncing off the lightsaber, but it, it's Flash but it's back. not the point. You just stop, don't you? Yeah. 
Maybe he didn't realise it was happening. Maybe if he like, had a mirror, he would have gone, oh, shit, look at me. Oh, God, <laughs> I look shit. <laughs> I'm not going to get the honeys like this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, did, it, I I just thought it was a bit overkill that all that, because now he's got to spend the rest of the film in this really horrible-looking pros, um, prosthetics. And you just think, it could have been done... A, you didn't really need to do that anyway, because before that, we just figured, well, it's just age. He's he's old now. It's it's you know he's like a yeah. I I thought I mean it was clearly more than just being old, but it it wouldn't be hard to just assume that like he's been slowly poisoned by evil over time. Yeah, yeah. I I always kind of imagined that or thought that he was so powerful, and this would have kind of maybe tied into why the Jedi didn't pick him up, that he was able to mask his true self. With, oh, what, with and the, that he'd always looked like it with uh, the dark side, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Fair enough, that's possible. I don't know, it's, it's better than whatever what, what we got with shit. Limited power, and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> Anakin's like, What again? This is the whole, this is the rushing of the, the whole film in, in a nutshell. What, have, like, I what have I done? And then it's no. like, You will become Darth Vader, yes, my master. And his voice changing as well. It's like we've already heard him ha- all throughout the previous films changing between his normal voice and his real and his scary voice. So why all of a sudden has he started to go kind of like half Scottish? Good. Oh, he has an old And I'm I'm sure when this came out originally. He said, well, oh, like, he, he says, Anakin, it sounds like, well, we serve him? He goes, yes, my last day. And he goes, good. And yeah, then, like, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't in the, what, when I watched it. And I was like, I'm sure he said that. I remember him distinctly. Because I remember, like, thinking that was that was a piss funny live delivery. <laughs> but it never happened in this film. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a bit confused by that. Was it, was it, does anyone else have that? I can't remember, to be honest with you. I don't know. But I just definitely remember him saying that. Because I know he definitely does this good and then says, you will henceforth be known as Darth Vader. I do like the cut after that to Yoda, mm. where he's picked it up. Kind of thought as well, maybe it should have cut to, to Obi-Wan as well. Um, but it's it's kind of, I like that, the way the narrative is kind of visualised there. Um, yeah, it's quite but, yeah. Actually, isn't it? it's, it's and different. then it's kind of... Everyone you know, including your friend Obi-Wan Kenobi, is now an enemy of the Republic. And he just seems like, all right then. Yeah, go and, go and kill all the Jedi. Oh, Fine. Yeah, look, look, don't forget you're putting your, your funky new contact lenses. Yeah, which he only has once. <laughs> and no one else ever had apart from Darth Maul. Yeah, so then, so then we basically get Execute Order, um, is it 66? Yeah, yeah. Again, this is... This is, I was talking about this on Twitter earlier, um, that this is, again, a really great scene for me. But it's just ruined halfway through by that bloody child. And obviously it's not his fault. Master Anakin, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so it's not his fault as well, because it didn't need a Definitely from London as well. What are we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do, Anakin? Um... It didn't need a line at all. No. Just just to see them coming out 
and all the kids coming out surround, surrounding Anakin and thinking, yeah, he's here to rescue us, and then having the lightsaber turn on. That would have been perfect. That would have been enough. But, but again, you, you didn't need a line, but if you're going to insist on a line, don't accept that take. Oh, maybe we don't know what the other takes are like, Dave. <laughs> Unless he shit himself, how much worse could it have been? <laughs> I dread to think. <laughs> but as bad as the line is from that kid, um, this is this is such a microcosm of what we've been saying that it comes kind of a bit out of nowhere. It, it's not very well done. Twenty minutes ago in the film, he was on the light side of the force and reporting the emperor or the chancellor. Um, so it's not good. You see, you see an establishing shot of the steps with them walking up, and then you see a head-on shot of Anakin, and then you get an above shot, and it's all perfect. It's all like that. That in and of itself, you'd go, "That's a master director." If that's all you saw, you'd go, "Yeah, he really, really knows what he's doing." Yeah, and the way it kind of cuts to the other, uh, the other planets as well, and uh, what's his name, Kiadi Mundi. Oh, and, the uh, Execute Order 66, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all yeah. killed off. The music's great here. It has yeah. a real end-of-days feel to it. Mm. It is the apocalypse. And again, Yoda feeling it. He does. He really feels like... He should do yeah. that on his own time, not what he's making <laughs> a film. <laughs> I was just trying to think of a joke like that. Then he sensed the force. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting... That this is um, the first of the Star Wars films to be PG thirteen, mm. and yes. what I kind of I thought about it earlier. Um, yeah, I'm not stealing one of yours for once. No, um, not. And uh, which I think was half kind of like a marketing thing, but just what made me think of it then was when Yoda beheads those two stormtroopers or clone yeah. troopers, and, and later on he just sticks a lightsaber i suppose they are clone troopers so it's they're not that dissimilar to um robots and what have you um and because they've got their because they're not he's not killing people with faces they're all in armor and they're all the bad guys but um yeah so yoda goes off he offs some bitches that's and uh, and again we get a gen we get some genuine emotion where padme is looking out of the window at the uh, at the council building that's on fire, C three PO is there just being C three PO, and it's a really nice kind of balance between his reaction to her, the just straight literal reaction, and her just really wondering what the fuck's going on with Anakin. C three C three PO of all of the films is really crammed into this because there are so many scenes where he just wanders into shot and then it yeah. wipes to something else. It is totally like we don't know what to do with him, so let's just like have him in shot, and we got to have him here because it's C three PO. Yeah, but at least he's not saying, "Oh, what a drag." Oh no, I mean it's he's not yeah. being used for you. Yeah, it's not, it's not the comedy. <laughs> it's quite hilarious yeah. how he's crammed. I'm beside myself. And there's, there's again, there's a really nice shot um, from like kind of like um, three quarters above of the Jedi camp, the Jedi temple on fire when Bail Organa's speeder kind of zips down to it. Yeah. And it's really beautiful stuff. And that was um, George Lucas's son as well, wasn't it? 
He played that. Yeah, the little Jedi. Cass, the character's called. Yeah. Jet Lucas. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that was Anakin, from Anakin, igniting his lightsaber with all the kids, sorry, the younglings, to Padme, wondering what was going on, and then um, to Bail Organa showing up. He gets threatened by stormtroopers and uh, Lucas Jr. gets killed. And then you find um, Obi-Wan appears in a cave somewhere. A bit wet. Yeah, because he gets yeah, shot out, um, doesn't he? He does. The aftermath. Well, when, they do, when they do fly back to the, the Jedi Temple, um, what is that CCTV footage? Did the Empire... Did the Emperor fly to the temple? Yeah. Yeah, everything was recorded. Well, it looks like the CCTV footage is from... I don't understand. We're at the Jedi Temple. We should have footage of the Jedi Temple, yet the Emperor's there. And we've got no evidence he went there, so that's a bit confusing. I think, as as far as I can see, it was um, kind of went there... To because uh, I think there is some dialogue in there somewhere from the Emperor or from Anakin. I wouldn't rule uh, it out. I don't think saying, it's impossible. You have well, just, you have done well. Yeah, it, it does look. It, it's time it's possible. Yeah, he went there to just check on him and say well done. Yeah, but obviously because the only time we saw them together was at the Palpatine's office. Yeah, something doesn't look right here, does it? Well, it basically looks like a, a recording of their encounter in the office for seeing Rise Lord Vader. Yes. And exactly it, it, it makes you wonder what's the point in getting Anakin to spy on them where they just look at the video footage of him doing shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly it, Chris. But I think Charlie's right. I think it's meant to be. And I imagine after Anakin doing all that, the Emperor would have wanted to go in and, and take whatever kind of secrets the Jedi had in their safety deposit boxes or what have you and the, all the, the Jedi holocron things and stuff like that but just as an aside quite um, possibly, but, I mean yeah. we've gone quite ahead because there's I mean we've gone past the moment where Palpatine when Palpatine announces his the, I guess the Godfather scene Palpatine tells Anakin or Anakin tells Padme that he's going to Mustafa to do that, see the, the separatists and all that thingy. So then he goes there. Obi-Wan and, and Yoda come back in to uh, to sort out, to get into the Jedi Temple. And then you've got Bail Organa and Padme in the Senate audience as... Oh, this is how Liberty dies. Yeah. With rupturous applause. Yeah, I'm not sure, yeah. still not sure what to make of that at all. What, as a line, or...? Yeah, as a line. As a line. I, well, I, I like it's meaning. It's weird, isn't it? What do you make of it, Becca? You're saying I, weird. I think it's a, very, it's a very odd line. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. It's a bit... Mm, I don't know, I just think it's a bit strange. I've, I've always loved it, and I kind of... Especially the time period as well. Um, and I think other people kind of did this as well. There's a couple of moments in the film that are very centered around like like that shot of the Jedi Temple that you see in daylight where it's smoking is very nine one one reminiscent. Oh yeah, uh, terrifying. Nine eleven, sorry. Um and then I this yeah, line, not not the American police force. No, no not, not not the phone number. 
Yeah. Um, oh, what's the number 5911? <laughs> Becca, what's that sort? What's that off? Simpsons. Oh, thank you. Oh, 912. Is it? Oh, that's yeah. the, the stone cutters where they give them the. This is the, the real number to call. It's the real number for 911 is 912. 912. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and so that line, so yeah, this is, this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause was always always to me kind of like a critical um a critic critique of george bush and that whole thing i i think that i always like that line just as a general rule of thumb whenever you see any sort of tyrannical figurehead get power you know it it usually comes with a smiley face it's usually coming comes in with like as a positive thing as a false positive thing because it, it's it, at the time it's almost like voted in as a good thing and then that's when the bad shit starts to happen um, yeah look at Trump and it's like it's, so it's like um, it's like it's, like, it's almost like so it's a lesson sort of to well uh, you would never get a critical mass know that they're voting for fascism and I think that gets forgotten when we look back at history mm. we think something fundamental has changed but Hitler did and, and there are caveats to all of this but Hitler won an election at one point so yeah I, I get this I get what they're trying to say but I, I agree like the way it is all intercut so you've got Obi-Wan and Anakin walking through the temple seeing that the younglings were killed with, by someone with a lightsaber and then you have Palpatine doing his whole speech thing but then you also have Anakin on Mustafar killing everyone who was ever working for the emperor as well? So he kills off all, he kills off his enemies and his friends. Oh, he's Again, playing this. both sides. They, they, yeah. they aren't, they aren't needed anymore. Well, exactly. So, so kill them off. Got, yeah. So and kind of people have called it, given it parallels. Oh, to the, yeah. This. No, sorry. I know what you're on about. You're on about the, um, you're on about the, what's it called, the uh, baptism scene at the end of the Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which again is probably there because. Again, um, Lucas and Coppola are like massive, massive, massive friends. Um, yes, but, uh, uh, Lucas very nearly did um, Apocalypse Now. In fact, he was in the frame to do it for a long, long time. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine how that must have, might have turned out? He, he was going to shoot it. For very 16. different. Well, when you think Apocalypse Now is a very, very beautiful film, um, he was going to shoot it 16 millimeter, so it would have had a much more sort of cinema verite look to it. Yeah. When you look at some of the shots in Attack of the Clones, the camera work in the battle at the end, a lot of the kind of snap scenes and stuff, and a lot of kind of simulated handheld kind of stuff, as yes. is very kind of reminiscent of Vietnam War footage anyway. That's it. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many of you have actually seen THX One One Three Eight. I've seen it. Which I've seen it. Is just a completely different. It's, it's somehow not the film same filmmaker. The funny thing is, I can see the link to to, to THX from THX to <clears throat> American Graffiti. Yeah, and I can see the link from American Graffiti to Star Wars, but I can't see the link from THX to Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like before George. I mean, because originally, again, he he was much more concentrated on kind of like the editing side of things. Yeah, and so his student films, like bits I've seen of them, were just incredible. Uh, so it wasn't in kind of yeah. So American Graffiti was kind of like I think that crucial point to lead to Star Wars, and kind of 
almost because before he almost kind of felt like Kubrick. The kind yeah, of, there was a coldness to him. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that makes sense when you see what a sort of weak actor's directory is and how stiff the dialogue is. Mm. But there's certainly a much a greater warmth to his universes than, than anything Kubrick came out with. Absolutely, yeah. I think we, we are getting close to the end now, the two twin battles between Yoda and the Emperor and um, Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yeah. Again, I, I think it's it's Natalie Portman's best, film, best scene in the film, I think. Which where one? Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan goes to visit her. Yes. And he's really good as well. Because she's um, in a bit of denial as well, and he's trying yeah. to be sensitive. And you great. feel these are real people with real problems where through so much of the prequels, they've just been spewing dialogue at each other. Yeah. In these scenes, you do feel like it's real people trying to reason with real people about real things. Yeah. And he finds out that she's pregnant as well. And then there's the little bit at the end as he walks off saying, Anakin is the father. And he goes, I'm so sorry. And just walks off. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's really quite um, quite emotionally rending, and then it's really good. But she's lied to him, obviously. Yes, so she has. She, just lies. she hasn't seen him, but he knows that. Yeah, so she, yeah, because he hides on a ship. Mm. So she decides the best thing to do is for her to go out herself, and because uh, because there's got to be the nagging feeling that maybe he's right. Now the two fights, as they go now. Part of me likes the. I, I think I did. I think I'd like. That's the best way to put it. I think if you showed me, I don't know that they did this, and in fact, with animatics and stuff, they probably didn't. But if you showed me storyboards of the Emperor fighting Yoda in the Senate, with the pods being thrown at each other, I think I'd like it. Mm. In execution, I don't because they're just ridiculously overpowered. And again, as elder statesmen in the force, I don't like the way they fight. When I look at Anakin and Obi-Wan, firstly, you've got Battle of the Heroes, which I think is a wonderful piece of music. It might yeah. be my favourite piece of music in the whole trilogy. Um, even over, like, Across the Stars, um, and certainly over Jewel of the Fates, even though I like it. Mm. Well, I read a treatment a year before the film came out, or two years before, one of the two. Anakin was supposed to unleash like a red lightsaber at this point. That was meant to be another surprise. <clears throat> the two of them fighting with blue lightsabers does give me a bit of a problem visually. But I like the way they fight. There are bits in it I don't like. There's too many flips and there's too many... That bit where they're waving their lightsabers around in front of each other before they cram together. <laughs> whiz, 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 whiz. Hilarious. That's, That's hilarious. It looks funny. Well, isn't it the first time that we've seen two lightsabers... Like the same, same colour fighting each other. Yeah. I think so, Becca. I can't think of another example. No, I was just trying to think. I just suddenly popped into my head. I thought, oh, isn't that? But they fight with know. such commitment. They fight well. It's in a good location. So it's a mixed bag all of this, isn't it? It's quite it? dramatic, isn't it? It's a very dramatic fight. It is. The problem with the Yoda Emperor one is Yoda does appear to fucking give up. Yeah. There's too many, too many backflips. Yeah. The Yoda in, in that scene is just... It's just like he's he's going really well, and then it's just like okay, it's almost like George felt okay. He needs to go into exile now, so I have. I think that's what I've been getting out all the way through this show, Charlie. It's like yeah, it's absolutely scene, yeah. It's where the scene needs to end. Yeah, and it just it and just, he doesn't know how to get there, so it's like well, he's just fallen a long way. He's probably hurt. Yeah, like it, and I, and I think it does kind of 
maybe hurt it a bit, the fact that it is intercut with the other fight as well. Yeah, um, it, I, I, it just feels unnecessary in comparison. I mean, you understand why Yoda would talk about, I'll take on Palpatine, you, you go, go and see Anakin. Yeah, that's the right way round. That is the right way round, emotionally and stuff. Hang on. Yeah, so, but not the way it's done. But in in terms of story wise, uh, you know, in terms of how how pop it, it just feels like okay, well, there's a fight, and then you know, both of them survive, and so where's it get us? Nowhere. It doesn't really add to anything. It's just like a set piece, really there for the sake of it, really. And it kind of hinders the the Anakin Obi Wan fight, really. Kind of like you kind of that fight should I I I think should have been like. We shouldn't have cut to anything that that yeah you know, that is a really personal intense scene, and I don't think we should have like hampered it by cutting to another fight sequence that arguably shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah, oh, I I I think the Emperor Yoda fight had to happen. Yeah, but I think um, Yoda needed to get his ass kicked. I think that had to show the real because. The Emperor doesn't seem that powerful in this. He gets his, he basically gets his ass kicked by Mace Windu. He get he gets his ass kicked by Yoda a bit and just kind of gets lucky. Yeah. And where you can where you see him in Return of the Jedi, bearing in mind that that film had already been made, so we know what he's like. Yeah. There, then he just seems really kind of underpowered here. I would have, yeah, I just would. It kind of needed to be a bit shorter and just a bit more direct of Palpatine. Just yeah, just kind of really kicking his ass. Could be. I mean, yeah, maybe Palpatine's real talent is his conniving. You know, is is how he just you know manoeuvres and get and 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 puts himself in in position rather than actually be good at fighting. But yeah, I mean, it it would be kind of. I suppose to kind of really sort of show like, oh shit, the dark side's fucking strong and he kicked Yoda's ass. You know, it yeah. would be a little bit more kind of like, oh fuck. Yeah, if there was more of an effort to show how much he uses the dark side as his power, kind of like what he did. Because when I mean, you think like Return of the Jedi, that was the first time we'd seen Force Lightning, but by this point, Count Dooku's already used it in Attack of the Clones, and you've already seen Palpatine use it once before. Mm. So it's kind of it's kind of a way in the lightsaber was devalued a bit in Attack of the Clones, because you saw like fifty Jedi wielding their lightsabers around. So he, like he, he is laughing way too much as well, the Emperor during this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I get the idea of the evil cackle, but this is ridiculous. He's yeah. finding the whole thing absolutely hysterical. Yeah, because there's a this bit where he kind of cackles a bit, and then he sees Yoda throwing a pot at him, and just like shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a fun day out. It's it's entertaining, but it's stupid. And 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 also his, his new makeup makes him look like he's like put on like two stone. Yeah, doesn't yeah. do many favors. And but and then some of the dialogue during that Anakin everyone fight. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Oh, God, yeah. Point, from my point of view, <clears throat> that's this film's equivalent of if you follow your thoughts through to conclusion. Yeah. And then, I have the high ground. But it's good when he burns up. I, I, I will say this for the uh, um, Yoda fight. It, it was a good, good entrance when Yoda walks in and he just knocks out those two guards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was pretty good. But, yeah, I think with Anakin like just burning up, 
Um, that's probably why it's a 12, I think. I think that's like that one. Oh, I think probably the main reason, yeah. It's really kind of gnarly. Um, and and it's, a, it's a really good performance, again, by Ewan. Um, you were the chosen not, one. Hayden's not bad, but... Um, I have failed you, Anakin. Sounds real. He's not yeah. spewing dialogue. He's a character coming to a realization. But then saying, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. That's just. That's like a child. That's George. That's yeah. George. Yeah. Can't write. yeah. But um, yeah, his, you were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them. Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness, is is good. And kind of the, the casual way he picks up his lights, Anakin's lightsaber as well. So like, yeah, I'll give this to your son in like twenty years. Um, that was uh, that was an insert because George forgot to shoot that at the time, and people really? said to him, "Yeah." Um, the crew said to him in in screenings and stuff, George, he needs that lightsaber for Episode Four, so he had to shoot lights. Yeah, that was an insert, and it's and it's it's painful to watch. It's it's really well done watching him go up in flames. Again, don't you think Obi Wan? I mean, I know we know the arc of the whole thing, but shouldn't Obi Wan yeah. put him out of his misery? Well, yeah, you think? I, so. I, 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 I thought I'd literally fire. seen him burn alive. Like you think, oh, bye. Yeah, I mean, I I, I did. I did actually question it. I mean, that's that's why I thought. Then thought, well, maybe because it's looks quite steep. It looks quite dangerous. That if you went down there, you'd probably get burnt too. Um, so it's kind of like a oh, you can't go down there. But then he goes. But then I just thought about why well, could you use the force? And just like and push him in the lava. <laughs> Finish the job. Maybe you just could have like, fallen in the lava or something. Bits. I don't know. But yeah, and then Bro, they go off there. to uh, Polis Massa. It's called. The uh, kind of weird asteroidy space station thing where they go and take Padme. Um, where Padme can't be asked. Yeah. <laughs> I've always kind of. It's always kind of come across stupid and recognizable in the same time. Just what's always kind of drawn me a little bit to the idea. Which I think may have kind of the whole I've lost the she's lost the world to live thing, which it's it's stupid because of the line reading again, just the she's lost the real to live, with for the fucking medical robot with the uh, with the, with the big scoop <laughs> to deliver the to deliver the baby that looks uh, uncomfortable. What, what always struck me about that scene is thinking back to when you hear about someone elderly. And elderly elderly couples, where one dies of whatever, and then the other one dies very shortly afterwards. I mean, I know with elderly couples and all that kind of thing, and old people, it's kind of there's it, kind of it, different. It does happen. Of, I mean, there's, there's a weird. I get what it's saying because I think you know. Like, I, I get the idea of a broken heart. Yeah, I think I, I get that, and there's some evidence it's a real thing as well. I think it's coinciding it with new life and birth and your children. Yeah. That it inadvertently ends up making it look like Padme is all about herself, that she's been let down and hurt so she doesn't want to live anymore, rather than carrying a deep pain. As hinted at in the original trilogy, what do you remember of your mother? Yeah. You know, really kind of uh, sad. 
Mm. The idea that she might carry a pain and something happens over time, I think would have been better. I think I'd have been happy with Padme surviving this film. Yeah. And if she's not around, it's like I keep saying, it's not that I don't want to know. It's it's that I do want to know, but I realise that knowing's not good for me. Whenever I talk about we don't need to know X's backstory, the vast majority of the time I actually do want to know X's backstory. I yeah. just know that from a storytelling perspective, it's not good for me. There, yeah. There's not there's not a, a complete lack of inquisitiveness. I'd actually rather know, but I know I shouldn't know. And it's the, it's, did, it's, did, it's not knowing certain details that make it more interesting. Yes, but that doesn't that doesn't mean I don't want to know. Yeah. It's that I know I shouldn't want to know, and I shouldn't know. It's, it leads from speculation. Yeah, I, I, the same with Mike Myers. When 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 they when they said uh, with Halloween, you know, the Rob Zombie remake that they were going to give his backstory, I lapped that up. But I do actually think it's a detriment to it. Mm. Although I don't think the Rob Zombie Halloween remake's as bad as its press, but Mike that's Myers another story. It's based Austin Powers. Yeah, not that Mike Myers. Um, <laughs> um, no extreme close but, up. Uh, but having said that, you know. It, it, to put it into context, I, I think they wouldn't have done it because it leaves too many questions. Yeah. But there is there are 19 years between this film and A New Hope. Padme could have died in that time. Yeah, and when you watch When you watch the six films, and by film six, you've got Leia talking about she remembers her mother, but she was sad. Yeah. Uh, you know Luke, is, you know they've been separated from each other. Yeah, you know they do because they didn't know they were brothers, and you think, well, okay, so somehow she probably ended up with Leia, not Luke. Yeah, because Luke said he never knew her, his mother. Yes, whereas Leia says she does. So, had you ended this film with Natalie Portman with Leia still alive, still well, we know we would know we can fill in the gaps that she died somewhere in that gap. And probably relatively early in that gap because Leia only just really remembers her. So the mm. chances are she died when like Leia was three or four. Yeah. Well, that could be anything. That could be fodder for like a Star Wars story. I'm not saying we should do this and fill in every gap, but it could have been like now in the Disney era. Yeah. An interim year where we find out that like she died maybe protecting Leia from from Darth or something. I'm not saying we have to do any of this, but I think killing her in childbirth with a broken heart is really fucking lazy and doesn't reflect well on a character who has ended up, and I'm quoting other podcasts here, a walking woo. I mean, like, I, I, what makes it even more dumb is, like, I mean, yes, I, I agree with what you say, Dave, as well, but the whole she died of a broken heart, oh, she's lost the will to live. It's just like, well, it just ignores the complete obvious explanation. She she had a she she had like a a uh what was it like a trauma that kicked that kicked started. Well, pregnancy. he forced choked her. And she, and, he forced and she, yeah. choked her. Of and the pregnancy labor. killed her. Like you know something that arrived a complication in the pregnancy and she died. This happens. This is believable. She went into she went into labour early because he choked her. Yeah. All you got to do is make that. You've, you don't even have to explain it deeply. No. A throwaway line saying she's not ready for this yet, as in the babies are coming before anyone's ready yeah. for it. Yeah. That's all you got to do. 
broken art, I think, is a fucking insult to the character. <laughs> and the character's been mistreated by the series anyway. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I think the, the birth scene is actually done really well with the way it's intercut with Vader. Well, what, the birth of... The, yeah, the rebirth of... Yeah, yeah I get that. I, I, I always liked it. And I have to say, like I say, I get how you get confused opinions on this because, you know, the chill was going through my spine while this was happening mm. at the time. And when you get that sort of kind of drill noise as his, as his mask is being sort of sewn is the wrong word, kind of stuck together, and then you hear his first breaths, that kind of got to me. It's no wonder I walked out thinking. It's no wonder I walked out going. That was great. And 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 then he said a line of dialogue, which for God, no, you ruined it now. (laughs) No, it was a bit kind of like good bad moment. But no, that was kind of because I mean, you know, Vader is probably one of well the most. You do like a a list of a hundred top villains. He frequently tops it or is in the top five. When when I think of cinema, when I think of when I think of character entrances. That's very feel, iconic, isn't feel it? Feel free to disagree with me. Please do. But I think of Bond in, in Doctor No. And oh, yeah, definitely. And the Tantive Four. And I can't think of anything like those two. I think they are like the two that stand up. Now, please tell me there's there's other ones. I'm sure, I'm sure there, there are. There are more, definitely. But, no, but there's a two that iconic. spring to mind. He's one of the iconic cinema characters. Mm. I, can't think I, when, co- it, I can't remember if it was Empire or Total Film. There was a, a cover that was one of the magazines... And I'm pretty listeners. Anybody correct me if I'm wrong. They're very similar magazines, though, aren't they, Becca? No, I know it, is, but yeah, it, was, it was like a special Empire's edition sort of thing. And, and you open the magazine. More iconic, but they are they do cover similar ground in similar ways. No, they are they're definitely. But um, yeah, but my point is basically, I think there was, a, there was a special edition released of one of those magazines. You kind of open the page, and all you hear was, <gasps> you know, the kind of the breathing mechanism. Yeah, that was definitely like, Empire. You know, I think I had it as well. That, yeah, I wouldn't say Empire as well, but it's like that I kind of had it, noise. Just sounds, as you say, Dave sends like chills down your spine. Oh, I subscribe like, oh my God. but I don't remember that. I, you know, uh, it's not all bad. It's just she shouldn't be dying of a broken heart. Mm. Yoda shouldn't have like just gone right. That's it. I'm off. But again, again, this is a, another scene that was cut out because you see the scene where Yoda is like meditating, and Bell Organa comes in and says Obi Wan's made contact. Originally, that scene began with Yoda talking to Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon saying that he had found a way to Qui-Gon live in the Qui-Gon was in the treatment I read. Yeah. And so, I don't so, know why. I don't know what, what, what's, what's Qui-Gon saying? Well, I fucked that up by picking the wrong kid, didn't I? Yeah. It, all he says is, oops, sorry. <laughs> um, I've done a whoopsie. Um, I... So I was really expecting him to come back. Now, I know he didn't have a good time on um, The Phantom Menace because he, he threatened retirement right after. But by then, by now, he's back to working again, and it's just a cameo. Mm. I am very surprised uh, Liam Neeson didn't do this. Yeah, And I think it's a loss that he did because, again, it comes out as spewing dialogue, which this film has done a bit less than the previous two. But he goes, oh, I've got training for you. Someone's yeah, made quite. contact. It's like, well, how? How did that work? When did it work? How did he do that? Because his body didn't disappear when he died. It raises a lot of questions. I was yeah. happy with it at the time. Partly because they sat on that ship from episode four and it looked such a great recreation. I, I was yeah, happy yeah. with it. I was so happy with this at the time. There were only a couple of things that jarred. One was Vader's mask. If you look at 
a still from like Empire or something. His mask isn't symmetrical, mm. and it is now. And George yeah. was like, "I've got to correct it." And it's like, "No, make it look like it did last time, or it's not." Yeah, the same exactly. Character. Yeah, it doesn't look right. It looks too bulbous as a result. It's not massively wrong, but it's slightly wrong. Yes, yeah, so when when he does eventually come out and say Qui Gon, blah 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 blah, it's like it's it's a bit out of nowhere, and you're thinking, "Wait, Qui Gon, what? Oh, Qui Gon." And it's almost um, like you can imagine the direct. Uh, this didn't happen. I'm I'm sure films aren't made this way. But it's almost like he's got this scene round a table, George, that day on set, and then he's suddenly gone behind the camera. He's gone. Oh fuck! I forgot to put that in. Shit! Can you guys just say this for me? No, oh, I'm sure. I've got to ask Liam Neeson if he was available. Shit. Uh. <laughs> um, and then they kind of they decide, don't they, where that he's going to go to. We've always talked of adopting a girl. That's a bit fucking specific, isn't it? That is quite specific. Nothing wrong with adoption. I think adoption's a fine thing to do, but what a bizarre conversation that would have been. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably just his preference. He just likes little girls. Oh. Oh, Do you know what? Sorry. How dare you, sir? (laughs) Maybe they wanted to have... I go first and then Listeners, if, you're okay. dis- if you're disgusted with Chris <laughs> or want to send us some filthy I don't feel uh, bad for him getting blown up in a new hope now <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's all a bit clumsy and, and one of the things that I've had on good authority but I can't remember where from it's not insider knowledge obviously no one told me this specifically but I, I saw it somewhere and believed the source that we were to be introduced to a young Han Solo at this point. Yeah, the oh, room is like did, um, a cameo, wasn't there? Yeah, they, they, on they, the they ship, did, like a boy. They yeah. did concept art of him on Kashyyyk. Right, I've heard that, but there was also uh, talk of it being okay. on the ship in the end. Either way, shit idea. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why that, yeah, that, that makes... And I think that, that, that gets to the bottom of the problem here. That it's not that George Lucas has any no talent. He made Star Wars, and he's been a, a key voice in all of this. And he made that Senate room. I know people made it with him and for him, but you know that's his vision. Those shots of Anakin going into the Jedi Temple. So much of this is great. It's that there's no moderation on him. There's yeah. no one to say with 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 genuine clout. That's a really bad idea. It reminds me of um, I was uh, on the documentary for the uh, the Tim Curry Tom Cruise film Legend of Ridley Scott, which I've um, still never seen. Funny enough, is it any good? I like it. Um, <laughs> it's it's very interesting. I think um, it's kind of like a dark fairy tale. But yeah, um, yeah so the, but the the lead is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, in his early twenties, and apparently, according to the screenwriter, Ridley Scott just came in the room one day and said, "Right, I'm changing it." He's going to be a green guy with gills that can swim underwater. Ridley Scott just kind of turned out, just just kind of turned around to himself and said, "Fuck, that's stupid," and then just stopped himself from doing it. But it's kind of that that similar thing where there's all the great ideas, good and bad, but they've, there's all this creativity there. But there's no pressures of, on it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think it's part of getting older that I think all of us could sit here and appreciate. Because I remember George Lucas, and, and part of me thinks, what a petulant idiot for saying this. 
But part of me understands, because he's only human. He said, well, what's the point of me making films where people turn around to tell you you're a bad person? Yeah. And I think, well, hang on a minute. Criticism comes with the... And I don't mean criticism as in you're an asshole. I mean criticism as in film criticism comes with the gig. And, you know, having said that, he's only human. I get it. And and I think we're we're wise enough now to just say, well, the man's clearly got talent. It's just it wasn't a good idea for him to be effectively a one man band yeah. in terms of decision making. And this film is better. And the thing is, and I think Charlie knows more about this than me, but I think it's true that through two and three, he was trying to make amends. As much as people go, oh, he just doubled down on hand shoots first and all the rest of it. Yes, occasionally he trolls his fans. But by and large, he was trying to make amends. I'm sure had there been no criticisms of The Phantom Menace, Jar Jar would have been in all three films. He may not have been the main character. He may have diminished as we went along. But the gist is Jar Jar would have been a thing where it is he wasn't. George tried to listen, learn, and change, and he has taken a ton of abuse from this. And there's no doubt he's a talented man. The problem is he put everything out himself with a very restrictive distribution deal with Fox. And I think he'd have been better off, more beholden to other voices. He needed a Gary Kurtz. He had a Gary Kurtz, and then he didn't. That's the problem. He He needed a new one. See, I'm I'm struggling with what Rick McCallum did on these films because I like Rick McCallum from everything I saw of him, heard of him. No one sets out to make a bad film, but no one no. was able to control control Georgia. Again, I I think Rick McCallum on these films was to support George as um, in the micromanaging, really, and kind of work on all the as in George can't be everywhere talking to everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and if that's his job, fine. You know, a very traditional wrong with that. producer role. We've all executed orders at work that were like the visions of our bosses, whether we agreed with it or not. You have to sometimes. Yeah. So. But um. But it, it is disappointing, and they kind of wrap it up all very quickly. But at the same time, when they then we'll get to know in a minute. We'll just jump over that for a second too. <laughs> when they do when they do distribute the kids, Alderaan looks beautiful. Yeah and, yeah. and the shot of the binary sons, which is a plate, looks beautiful. The film is it, the man has talent. There's no doubt Padme's funeral looks gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, the funny and I love I love the, that shot spiraling in to the uh, the little kind of the little necklace he made for her. Isn't it lovely? And I do remember I saw Boss Nass in the background. Yeah. And I momentarily had one of the stupidest thoughts I've ever had in my life. I thought, wow, impressive they got Brian Blessed back just for that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, oh, yeah, okay, that doesn't work as an argument, does it? But to be fair, like the way Boss Nass looked, you know, he he could, it does look like, yeah, that's Brian Blessed. But you forget, it's like, well, no, it's not real. <laughs> um, but it looks beautiful. And the guy's got some talent. And, and you know, John Williams doesn't need to be told how to write music, but I'm assuming no. directors talk to their director, uh, sorry, directors talk to their music people, and they have some degree, just as 
a great actor is a great actor, but directors still talk to them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure John Williams has input from George Lucas, and the end. I mean, you look at Michael Giacchino this summer with Rise of the Planet, uh, War, the War for the Planet of the Apes, and mm. Spider Man. And to my mind, there's no expert. There's no comparison in the quality of the two. And you think, well, is Matt Reeves the difference? Yeah. Is is Matt Reeves talking to him about themes and inspiring him? Not saying make it sound like this and then humming a note, but literally just talking to him about themes and ideas and yeah. inspiring him. And I do wonder if George Lucas just has a wonderful effect on on John Williams because the music at the end of this film, I mean, Charlie, am I wrong? The music's great at the end of this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a sense of inevitability as well. Um, and the kind of the, the coming full circle um, with the uh, the binary sunset. Yeah, let's talk about the Vader um, scene. Yeah. Now, a couple of things with this, and I'm going to shut up and let you guys talk. Um, firstly, it's very Frankenstein, Frankenstein's mm. monster. Secondly, in all the trailers, Vader's hands were up by his head. And then they digitally put them down by his side, and I'm not sure why. I, I have no idea why that was. Yeah. Finally, the no, and I'm going to have to make an admission here, never bothered me particularly. No, I, I'm quite willing to look a twat there. Doesn't didn't bother me. Bothered me when Luke screamed. It bothered me when the Emperor, uh, Vader screamed in Jedi in the special edition. I do think it's a bit screaming up at the sky while looking over the body of your dead girl. I, I do think there's a cliched element to it. But the idea that this guy's just lost his shit, and I wish it had been a howl rather than a no. But the idea of him howling something didn't really bother me. But that's all I've got to say about this scene. What about you guys? I agree. I, I did not expect anyone to agree with me, Charlie. Please expand on that and make me feel better about myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th I think it's it's a, a really good scene. I mean, yeah, there is the kind of cliched element um, of, of looking that, up at the sky and screaming like we get. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think something more of a more of a howl or or kind of a roar or something would have been. Do you know, I feel quite brave now because in twelve years I've never admitted to anyone that howl didn't bother me. So when everyone went, <laughs> "Oh, the no thing," I'm just nodding sagely. You've it is absolute Frankenstein. Um, I mean, I remember arguing with this with someone about this when it came out. The fact that he's got new robotic legs, and this is the first time he's kind of getting used oh, to well, everything. The, the little lurch forward, yeah, is totally appropriate. And the fact that he's because he walks again, very stiffly he, onto the bridge after that, and that's deliberate. It's, it's such a tragic because. He's just been manipulated again to be told that he's just murdered his his wife, which I'd and, rather is actually true, but it clearly isn't in the way the story had been told. No, and you and you get that shot of Palpatine really kind of glowing, mm. knowing that he's got Vader under his full control, and especially with, with his creation. So I've never understood that smile. I thought, is he enjoying his pain? You're saying he was enjoying his level of control. He's yeah, he's Frankenstein, and um, Vader is the monster. I get that's that his, parallel. That's but his I've never creation. Quite understood the smile. And, that, and that for me, that his smile was his final success. 
No, I mean, if I'm going to sit here and pontificate on films, I'm, I'm quite, I've got to admit where I don't know. And I never quite yeah, understood that, if I'm yeah. honest. I thought, what's that smile about? Yeah, all right, I get that. Yeah, I think yeah. it's probably just means like he, he has nothing left, he's all mine. The idea of him howling something didn't bother me. No, probably wasn't the best choice, to be fair. Yeah, well, I, I never saw it as the cinematic abortion most people thought it was. Yeah, I mean, look, to be fair, you guys have mentioned something about the being like a homage to like Frankenstein monster, and that makes more sense to me. Um, That's how I've always read it, actually, and I'm not the horror aficionado, yeah. Charlie. No, no, I, I, I just never like thought of it if in, in that context. I was like, oh, well, I, I guess, given that George Lucas is quite, he, he, he likes to do things old-fashioned, and I can kind of see that. Uh, I just wish it was just written better. Like, I just wish it was done not as so ham-fisted and just, like... Because the problem well, no. we get to, we get to the, this scene, it's it's almost like the, like, one of the most important scenes in the film. It's like, you know, there's a legacy around Darth Vader. I mean, Anakin, with all the, the poor performance and the poor dialogue he's been given thus far, it's like, okay, but when he's in the suit, we're fine. Uh, and it just feels wrong when he's saying, well, I understand that it makes sense for his character to say, where's Padme? But I don't know, there's just a jar in fact, it's like, okay, that just doesn't feel right when Darth Vader go like, where's Padme? I don't know, it just felt wrong, and then when he just goes the whole no thing, it just feels very, very cliche, as you said, and it just feels like a bit of a, a misstep, like a little bit of a tarnish on the legacy of Vader. I think really. the best way to put it from my perspective, Chris, is I think it's cliche. I think it's poor. But, A, it's not the cinematic abortion a lot of people say. And you only have to tweak it to make it right. The idea of him breaking out of his chains, not chains, but, you know, shackles, lurching forward slightly because he's on unsteady, unfamiliar legs, and screaming something is appropriate. Whether we think the execution's right yeah. is a different matter. But I've never, I, but I've heard people saying, "Well, he shouldn't shout there," and I think, "Well, why not?" I, it it would have probably played a lot better if it had it had like James Earl Jones do the kind of thing. Would have probably yeah gone down better. I, th- I think you got it right about it being old fashioned, but I, and I think that's something that these films very much are um, not just in kind of like the spirit of the things and the whole suddenly matinee and all that kind of thing, but, but look at <coughs> standards in the thirties and forties, rather stagey to say the least. Yeah. And the, the way these films are constructed, I think is, is, is they're very old fashioned as well. Mm. And yeah, I mean that, 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 that scene right down to the, to the screen is mm. absolutely a homage to Frankenstein. And that, and when you think, when if you go back and watch Universal Monsters films, um, which are all about the tragic monster, all of those films are generally about mon- about um, monsters in inverted commas um, that aren't really monsters that are the victims, whether it's being a werewolf or, or um, like Frankenstein being the creation of someone else. They're all outsiders, um, aren't they? Really. Yeah, and Vader, and that—that's—I imagine that's why it's jarring as well, because we're kind of not used to that. We 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 saw Vader 
being the scary villain of the years and then slow and then slowly coming to redemption and realizing he was a human in there but we've never really seen him in that state of vulnerability and i can understand why that is completely jarring it definitely does add level to it when it's like okay we're not seeing vader in this state yeah Um, it's very to me it's a very brave scene and a very honest scene and then, yeah, apparently, apparently the the shot of you and and um, what's that called, Baru, and possibly the other two as well, and possibly um, Owen as well, was shot um, when they shot episode okay, two. Okay, the, the actors weren't; the plate was. So oh, okay, they shot it on green screen, and they shot the backgrounds yeah. and everything oh, else. Okay. That's how it was done. And actually, um, I think you see it on the episode two shoot. Where he says about why are we shooting something for episode three here? Yeah, he says this, and he yeah. says you'll have to wait six years to find out. That's what it was. Yeah, because they didn't want to, so they didn't have to go back for that. They, one. Shot, they shot it on blue screen. Um, yeah. or, no, it was green screen because I think you actually see it. What did they shoot the backdrop? Obi Wan uh, handing the baby over to Owen is shot on a green screen on a stage during principal photography for this film. But the comping in of uh, Tunisia is footage they shot during episode two. Makes sense, doesn't it? That's my understanding of it anyway. It makes sense rather than like go to a complete different location just for... You know, you've got the binary sun music, which obviously Ben's theme, but the way it was orchestrated was so beautiful and soft mm. and gentle. And you got that relaxing couple of minutes you get at the end of Star Wars films and Leia... And Luke and Leia are now in the world, and Darth is now in the outfit after six hours, a lot of which was wasted. You can understand how he'd walk out of this going, thank fuck they, they did it. Mm. Yeah. The last few, with a sigh of relief. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, the, again, the, the music is beautiful the way when when the, they go to Alderaan, he uses Leia's theme. And yeah, then when, when he gets to Tatooine, there's like a hint of Luke's theme. And then it goes on to Obi-Wan's. Really beautiful. I thought it was going to be harder on this film than I thought, actually, as we go now through. Now we know the rest of the story. Uh, at the time, I just felt relief because the other thing was Star Wars was finished. I could watch six films in whatever order I wanted, mm. rather than there being this gap. I would have to imagine. Have you ever watched them in the what is it, the machete order? Yeah, I have. Machete order is you leave out you leave out one, you watch four and five. And yeah. when it gets when it gets to I am your father, you watch the end of the film. I'm not saying you stop there, but obviously the main thing you come out of that film with was Luke, I am your father. Yeah. No, I no sorry, no, I am your father. Sorry. And then you go back and watch two and three to figure out how that came to be, and then you watch six. That's my schedule. Mm. Well, I've done that before. I don't think I even heard of that one. Well, I think it's a bit unfair on one because basically what it says is one is the waste of time. Well. Certainly, from my perspective of the reviews we've done so far, one isn't the worst Star Wars film. No. So, I mean, I, I mean I, if you wanted to do some re-edit that actually basically cut one and two down, then maybe. But yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that would probably maybe be the best thing. I mean, I think it's it's the most expendable in terms of story, if not of actual quality. If you wanted to introduce it to people, I can see why you might leave it out. But, I mean, you're basically saying, can that, it's shit. Oh, and by the way, here's episode two. And it's like, well, I- I'm sorry. I-, I will argue 
for the rest of my life that episode one is better than episode two. If you feel differently, I'm not I'm not angry about that. You're welcome to feel differently. But I can't make an episode. I cannot make a case yeah. for episode two over episode one. I don't oh, think no, I could do it. I, I don't think I could do it convincingly. I, there are cases where I can argue things I don't agree with in that I understand the argument the other way. I can't argue episode two over episode one. So I don't recommend I don't recommend machete no. order. I mean, I'm... I recommend release order. It's as simple as that. Because yeah, why watch one, two, and three for background on Luke's father when you don't know it's Luke's father? Yeah, I did always wonder what it would be like to completely go into Star Wars Cold and watch episodes in a, in episode order, like one, two, three, four, five, six. I always wonder what that experience would be like. And I do wonder if you literally took our memories out of it and cultural heritage and everything else, whether we would note a massive jump in standard at four. Because I think there is one, but would we spot it if we weren't looking for it? I.e. one, two, three are okay, and then four, five, and six are a lot better. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it would be noticeable. And what I'm actually getting at is, can we be as confident in our own taste as? But it just feels they feel like different films, though, and they feel. I say yes. Yeah, that's why I'm looking forward to getting to the Disney ones because they feel like Star Wars again. Yeah, I'm just thinking of Luke salivating over the hologram, (laughs) and if you're watching that in order as well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the kind of the crush he has on Princess Leia in in Star Wars. She's beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to going back to... Okay, let's do do final thoughts, folks. I think you've covered everything, albeit in a haphazard order. Becca, what do you think? Yeah, pretty much the same at the top of the show, really. Um, It's a a kind of mixed bag, but I think the way they do manage to bridge the gap, I think, is is brilliant. And just because of the film's final moments, you do kind of come out of it thinking, well done, George, well done, (laughs) you know. Mm. Um, Yeah, some of the dialogue is a bit patchy here and there, some of the CGI... These look to be considered. Also, Yoda looks amazing. Um, quite choreography, superb, apart from a, too many backflips. Um, and like the last moments are really, really tense. Be, uh, so I haven't spoken much about the score. Charlie elaborated, uh, elaborated. Um, really, really, you know, just perfect. I think the score is fantastic. John Williams, amazing. Um, but no, actually, I quite enjoyed this film <laughs> for all its faults. So. Yeah, I always had a bone to pick with the, uh, the the choreographer, the fight guy, because apparently when he was at one of those celebration things, he came out and said that he thought the fights in the original films were crap, which so kind of really... Proves them with more no, it, pro- it proves the man has no soul. Rubbed me the wrong way. Well, he's got no soul because he's purely yeah. looking at choreography. It's not meant to be a dance. Now, if once through the six films you want to show us what Jedi can do, then fine, I, I get why we have like the duel of the fates fight, but across the piece, that's not what these fights are about. No, I really enjoy it. Still, um, it's I, I'm not, I can't say he saved it because he didn't, because there's still horrible moments in this film that stand with the horrible moments in the other films. But I think overall, it's actually emotionally resonant at times it's really enjoyable um and it's fun 
and the music is amazing. The music is, is I mean, the, the music's pretty great across the whole trilogy, but especially in this, it's just, well, Battle it's, of the Heroes is wonderful. So good. Mm. But, um, so yeah, so it's very rare I remember a track from from a track by name, obviously. Yeah, I had to look this up because I thought it's great. Not not now, a couple of years ago, well, seven yeah. or eight years ago, from you know. And I've always loved the score to this, and. I was ready. My perception when we came into this series of the prequels was I was going to be a little bit of a defender of one. I was going to monster two, but I was going to be so I was going to be easier on one than the the public perception, and I was going to be harder on three than the public perception. And now we've actually got to it, and I've watched it. No, actually, I think this is okay. CG, I, I'm only going to say okay, um, but the CG is a limiting factor. It's a problem. It makes the film look a little bit dated. There are still problems with Hayden and all the rest of it. But when I walked out, he linked it to episode four, and I was happy with that. The, the prequels aren't great. Both of the films we've got left to go are better than any of the prequels, in my opinion. And we'll explain why when I get there. Well, I'll explain why I think that when we get there. But I was ready to come in and be really tough on this tonight. And from scene to scene, there's a lot of problems with it. I mean, it's the logic's all over the shop. But this is okay. And whilst that seems like damning with faint praise for a film, I was ready to come in and monster. This is okay. Chris? Yeah, I think OK kind of levels out because what happens it what I think of this film is it it basically just throws everything at it. Um, the problem when you do that is you get some stuff that sticks and some stuff that doesn't, and so you kind of left with some good some good bits, some bad bits, like I said before. And 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 but to be fair, this film has probably the best bits in this prequel trilogy um and i think it's good wits out it's good wits good bits outweigh the uh the bad bits essentially so i you know it it's never boring and i think that's one thing that's the ultimate sin as like i said last week with clones when it was when I thought that the worst part of it was just that it was boring. This isn't boring. This at least moves. It gives you enough to go on. It kind of it gives you a good good scene and then it gives you a bad scene and you go okay well there's no good scene and then you go oh there's another something I like oh that's that's a bit naff but it never leaves you like a dull moment. So yeah, that's Revenge of the Sith. And I I've got a feeling I'm gonna miss. The Lucas touch, though, I, I do think that's what's missing with the Disney ones. Just that slight little feel, of the touch of Lucas. I think. I don't know if you guys think, but we can touch that next time. I need to learn. Yeah, some education. But I hate. I hate also... being. I hate being underinformed. I wish we had someone <laughs> on the crew who helped with that sort of thing. Yay! <laughs> Yay! What does that mean, Becca? No. <laughs> I can't do it. I just, yeah, I, was quite I just wrote no. Give us some fun facts, Becca. Fun fact number one: This is the highest-grossing movie of 2005 in America. Fun fact number two: Gary Oldman had agreed to be the voice of General Grievous, but pulled out. 
due to reasons relating to Screen Actors Guild. Fun fact number three, um, obviously towards the end we see a faint image of Tarkin. Um, as said earlier, like uh, created makeup and prosthesis with cheekbones out to here. Um, George Lucas obviously intended to have Peter Cushing reprise his role from beyond the grave as Tarkin using stock footage. Um, and this was deemed unusable, obviously you couldn't see footage of all of him. Um, and obviously they eventually appeared in Rogue One with a kind of uncanny valley aspect to it. Uh, fun fact number four, this is the only Star Wars film not to receive an Oscar for an Oscar nomination for best visual effects, um, only for makeup, and I think that lost out to the Narnia movie. Fun fact number five, and this film marks Peter Mayhew's return to the big screen since Return of the Jedi in 1983. So I was going to go, I was going to say, so Becca, but um, we got you forgot social media. Got social media. Go on, go on Chris. Uh, you can find me at Cinematronics on Twitter. Cinematronics with an X. Uh, you can look at my website, which has this podcast on, which is cinematronicsco.uk. Okay, you can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. You can find me um, at Movie Drone on Twitter. You can find um, the Sound of Fear. Um, we're on Twitter at Sound Fear Pod, and uh, you can go to soundcloud.com slash soundfearpod and have a listen there. Um, but we are at the moment looking at doing a bit of a revamp on it as well, so watch Ooh. this space. Hi, <gasps> exciting. Now, I highly recommend Charlie's podcast if you're if you love horror movies and you love horror movie music, it is the place to go. And if you don't love horror movies, it's still the place to go because it's about music. Yeah, if you don't love horror movie, movie, music, if you don't like it, you can go elsewhere. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night, folks. Cheers. Sort off. You can find us at expectustalk, facebook.com, expectustalk, and you can also search us out on the iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube. So that's it. That's the um, we've got commentaries next now. One before we go on to the the Disneyfied Star Star Wars films. So that means Becca. That of course means do you expect to talk or return with our commentary of Empire Strikes Back? <laughs>